to the Reggae Pod Clash, where men like Devin, that's me, and Roger Rivas talk all things reggae. On today's episode, we are joined by Miguel of Skunk Records, Sublime, and Long Beach Dub All-Stars fame to discuss the influences on and production of the game-changing, iconic Sublime record, 40 Ounces to Freedom. When you're done listening to this podcast, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating, and then go get yourself some Reggae Pod Clash merchandise by visiting rootfire.net and clicking on the store tab. And now, let the pod clash begin. Yo, yo, yo. Yo, 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 indeed, my friend. Devin, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Just got back from a week-long trip up the coast. Went to like San Simeon and Carmel and Big Sur and all kinds of great places. Just got back. That's right. About an hour I've... before we did the sound check. So it was a nice, nice, nice long week. It was, a, it was it a week, week long? About seven yeah. days or something? Yeah, it was great. It was much needed. Beautiful, beautiful trip. How about yeah. you? How are you doing, Raj? I'm doing great, man. I uh, have a special something in my cup, my reggae pod clash Ooh, cup. Ooh, I do too. That you Cheers. can get at rootfire.net. Go order your <laughs> cup. That's true. This we'll is get, what's going to put my we'll put my one. dogs through college. <laughs> I don't have any kids, but wait, I don't even have any, I don't have any dogs either. Dog college is expensive, man. Dog school, at least. I, yeah, well, good school. Come on. You can't yeah. put them in the, the, some mutt academy. <laughs> speaking true. and speaking of dogs, <laughs> speaking of one of my dogs, yeah. one of my G dogs, we got a very special show today, ladies and gentlemen. I know you guys are tuned in Woo-hoo. for Mr. Michael Miguel Happoltz coming on in a bit. And we got a lot of stuff to cover. This is a real cool version of the show. We've never had something like this before where we kind of dive into an album, dissect it, and what better person to do that with than the producer of the album? The legendary album, 40 Ounces to Freedom, by a little group. What was her name? Uh, they were called Sublime. You might have Sublime. heard of them. Yeah, Sublime. Yeah, Sublime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I might have seen a shirt or two. I heard they had some hits. I heard they had some kind of influence on like some kind of scene. Somewhere. Some kind of scene? Yeah. Some, some country. Right, other. exactly, exactly. So we're going to get into that for all you Sublime fans and just fans of production and, and uh, fans of the show. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a real good one. But first, man, let's dive into our, our record of the week, man. What, what do you got going for us this week? Yes, so this week, my tune of the week is, um, this is a song that I just, I love this song so much. I mean, I, I bring this with me, DJing places. Um, it's a little known tune, and I found out some stuff about this artist uh, that I will talk about after we play this record. But let's play it. I didn't know anything about him, but I but I, I did some research and found out some stuff about him. Um, but right now, let's hear this tune. This is Horace Johnson with a tune called No Jaw.
that <laughs> anyway this is what the, what, what oh, happened i had a little video glitch or something but as long as no oh, one else saw you it, matrix <laughs> no we're good good that was a tune called no jaw by horace johnson um i got that tape it was on a tape i uh, that tune was on a tape i had from roger steffens uh in my early days of reggae digging and there's just like there's songs that i heard within like certain years of being into reggae you know like late 90s early early 2000s that i just all now they all kind of like group together in my mind as this like nostalgic period, you know, and tunes from that time are yeah. like super special to me. And that's one of them. Um, and so I had never heard about Horace, Horace Johnson. He just had this one tune. Um, but there's a great Facebook group that I encourage people to take advantage of. It's called Roots Nazi Roots. And mm. last week when I was getting ready, you know, to, to, I was picking my song and writing out my little bullet points for this song, I was like, I wonder if anyone there knows anything about this tune. So I posted the YouTube clip, um, which it's, you know, it's pretty like the only version of this song that exists on YouTube is my upload, like of this record. Wow. I, I uploaded this years ago. Right. Um, but some people like, sure enough, like I knew they would were like, Oh yeah, yeah. Horace Johnson. Um, he was a member of a group called the Eagles, not wow. those Eagles, but right. Right. Um, yeah. Reggae group called the Eagles. They were a mental group actually, but I've never heard their mental stuff, but I know uh, I'm pretty familiar with like their, their reggae recordings. They've got, um, this tune called Rasta Pickney that I have on seven inch and they have another tune. Um, I'm blanking on it. Har Harvest time, I think is the name of it. It's a Jack Ruby production that's on a Jack Ruby comp. And then I later got it on seven inch too. So I oh. guess Horace Johnson was part of the Eagles. Um, but just, you know, like we've said it before and we're going to say it again on the podcast, another example of one of those artists who's just great songwriting, great vocals, killer material, should have just, you know, albums and albums of killer stuff and there's just not right. much. I guess, you know, in this case it might be because the Eagles were primarily into Mento and doing yeah. Mento stuff and apparently they have some Mento albums. Um, but someone told me that he's alive and well and living in the U.S. still. So uh -oh. maybe we got to do a Horace Johnson episode. He lives in Pasadena. <laughs> he's in Porter Ranch. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
But, you know, I've never even, I don't know if you've heard of the Melrose label before. I don't know if I've, like, I feel like maybe I, I've seen it, but I don't. Mm, I'm going to say the exact same thing. I feel like maybe <laughs> I've seen it. And I, it's, it's funny, right? Because I think I know the font. <laughs> I know it sounds <laughs> stupid, but as a graphic designer, like when you see a font, you're like, oh, yeah, right. I've seen that font before. So, so when I see something like that, uh, I'm like, well, is that like a modern label? I mean, because, you know, a lot of people are putting out records nowadays right. and they're trying to make it look old. So uh, when I see, if I, you know, no, to answer your question, I don't recall okay. this but as it, an old school. Yeah, it's a 1977 release, you know what I mean? So it's definitely right. not a modern right. uh, uh, label, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've seen Melrose before. But yeah, man, that tune. And then if you listen to the tune, there's some really cool stuff happening, like the guitar is doing these like especially in the little instrumental parts it's kind of varying from the skank and doing these like like really you know deviating from the normal normal skankage and there's a great uh bingy drum kind of doing a pattern you don't hear too much he kind of does it the whole time right and and killer organ and killer piano on that tune it's just a it's just a nice tune you know mid mid-tempo steppers tune that that it's just killer to me i love that. yeah a lot of those tunes um if everyone contributes, it's like really weird, right? Because a lot of these songs that we've already been playing on the show, we're always mentioning that. Like, did you hear what the guitar player, the piano player, whatever? And it's so true. I mean, that's what makes a really cool, memorable song, especially if it's a Jamaican tune. You're like, oh, man, you know, Wrangling was doing this or whoever. And um, once again, this uh, Horace Johnson tune does that. When you said, uh, when you talked about Facebook, I thought you were going to say there's a Horace Johnson Facebook group. And I was like, wow. You know what? Because if there isn't, there should be. I didn't look. And I'm not like, you know, it's like still I'm not Facebook savvy enough to even think that. I'm like, oh, wow, just look up Horace Johnson on Facebook. I bet this, you know. <laughs> the funny part is, right, <laughs> we, we put everybody on, on you know, pedestal, which which obviously they deserve to be because they're legends in their own right. But a lot of these cats are just, you know, one uh, DM away. Right? I mean, I mean, it's really weird. There are... Happens all the time. Happens all the time. I just friends with Linville Thompson on Facebook the other day. There you he, go. And, and he posts... I mean, like, Linville Thompson, to me, I'm like, like, I'm like intimidated, you know? I'm like, whoa, like, that's like Linville Thompson. And then I'm seeing him, like, post stuff, like, where it's like, happy birthday to so-and-so, just like normal postage, you right. know? I'm just like, wow, this is a crazy <laughs> world to live in. I almost don't like it. I'm almost like, I don't want to see happy yeah, birthday I don't want to see his memes. Thompson, you know? <laughs> right. I don't want to see his memes. Yeah. I don't want to find out he's a huge Trump supporter or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He just oh, goes man. in, you're like, oh, Imagine. what the heck? You never know. You never know, man. <laughs> um, cool, so, man. So I'm going to rock this. This 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 uh, week, I'm going to do something a little different. Which well, before, is, before you do, I wanted to uh, ask oh, everybody ahead. watching right now to uh, give this a share and give it a like. You know, If you're watching, yeah, share like, it, post, post the URL on Facebook or something. We got Miguel from you know, Sublime and Long Beach Dub All-Stars coming up in a second to talk about 40 Ounces to Freedom record. And I know people are going to want to watch this and tune in live with their questions you know you can always listen to this after the fact but it's cool live because you get to yes you know ask the artist your questions so um share this uh because he'll be on in about 10 minutes but i'm sorry to cut you off roger what's your tune no go ahead i'm 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 starting to think of the questions i'm gonna ask miguel i'm I'm now nervous do we have to have him on i'm nervous now (laughs) yeah i was gonna talk about the record uh and doing something a little different this week and i think that it's about time we, we start incorporating, uh, you know, me and Devin pick songs that we we like, songs that are in our, uh, you know, our crates when we go DJ, because before COVID, obviously, me and Devin are out, out and about DJing reggae music for everyone. So this week's different because I'm going to incorporate a more modern act. These guys are, uh, I'm friends with many of them in the band, and, yes. you know, there's a lot of cool modern acts. I know you and me, Devin, we're talking about, you know, Pachi, Pachi Man, mm-hmm. you know, and he's just an amazing artist too. So there's a lot of really cool modern um, 
you know acts out there that are that are uh being influenced by this old school stuff you know mm-hmm. i mean tons really so we're going to start incorporating bit by bit i mean always staying true to the old school stuff but you know every now and then throwing a nugget or two so this band um called the flying vipers and um let's Ooh. play this this next tune which is code i like this record which we'll talk about this in a little bit but fly to the gorgon play the tune all right Cool tune, huh? Nice, yes. I know I dig something these about guys, that, man. but let's hear it. Let's let's hear you first. Uh oh. Yes. You know something about that, huh? I do. Well, I got dang Devin always knows the good stuff too. But so now it's I'm only, it's, it's totally by accident. But go. You go. Oh, cool. Go first. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this band, Flying Vipers, um, you know, I first met uh the East Coast like 
kind of became really close friends with a lot of guys on the East Coast out of uh, sessions I did with a band called Ten Foot Ganja Plant. And so yeah. I'm doing those sessions, that's just an all-star band in itself. And got to meet Jay um, on guitar, really cool guy. And he's the engineer, uh, Jay the Champ, Jay Champani, uh, who engineered and produced this record. And he rolls with the Flying Vipers um, anyways. This is the, the, the record right here, the LP. It's a great um, cover. Yeah, dude. And, and so that's that's the other thing I want to get into, right? Okay. Is, is the packaging. Um, but yeah, I met, met these guys and uh, it just really, really, I was happy hearing the music. And this was a while back when they would send me some stuff. Uh, and so this record just came out. And so, you know, you can check it out on Spotify, check it. Obviously, F that. Get the real deal. You know, when people go out of their way, any artist really, to press get it onto vinyl, vinyl get it on vinyl. Um, there's no reason why why that's a one way of supporting obviously but it's just way way cooler and yeah devin you're right the packaging right i mean so when artists nowadays i find that a lot of uh cats not only want to you know they're influenced by the old stuff and they want to bring uh elements of that in the recording or the production but it goes all the way i mean to the artwork and you know right here like just if i saw this in the reggae section and didn't know if if, if these guys were modern then I would think, oh shoot, that looks old. So right, it's kind of the, it one of the, the things. Boxes. It checks the boxes. It like, checks the old boxes. Old looking p- package. Mm-hmm. Flying Vipers just sounds like a dope name, right? Exactly. Like, hmm, yeah. It's just it you know for the reggae geeks out there, it's something where you can sit back and go, oh, I know, I'd be homies with that person or that person because right. you guys have a lot in common, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's not magic cards. It's reggae <laughs> music. <laughs> So, yeah, these guys, I'm just, I, I love all their stuff, man. They got, uh, you know, other 45s right here. They got one they did with Johnny Clark. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Let's see if it focuses in. There you go. Johnny oh, Clark. Go. Highest, highest region. region. Um, another one. Destroy. Babylon. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, they got a lot of cool stuff I, <laughs> that they sent me. I got to show this because this is dope. Just regardless, right? This sticker right here. Nice. Ooh, destroy that Babylon. Just, just, well, that's just a good boom. one. Right? So, yeah, it's a full package, man. You know, great minds think alike. We love the old school stuff. They love the old school stuff. It's a really cool treat from the East Coast. But, Devin, tell, tell me how you... Well, um, I'm also the editor for uh, Rootfire, you know, rootfire.net, right. where you put out lots of articles. And um, one of our writers, Dave Schiffman, shout out Dave, uh, yeah. a lot of great stuff. He just did a pretty uh, in-depth interview with uh, some of the guys in the Flying Vipers um yeah and so we and we did like a record giveaway too i think so i you know i have to edit all those things so i have to like you know read the whole interview and look for typos and whatever and suggest little changes so um and then you know they provided me a little spotify playlist so i was listening to it as i was editing it and i was just like whoa this is like you know a lot of a lot of music comes across your plate and a lot of it you can kind of take or leave but right. these guys, I was like, whoa, this is this is some dope shit. And then I started reading, you know, who they played with and all that. I was right. like, okay, it makes sense. It makes sense. The Tenth of Ganja Plant connection and all that stuff. Definitely, man. And that's why that's why I'm really excited to actually start, you know, going in that direction a little more. I'd say whatever percentage we decide on, but you know, if it's if it's a 80-20 percentage as far as what we play that's old school, uh, compared to some really cool modern acts that are that are coming up. And they have been around, it's nothing new, you know, but right. kind of just tipping our hats off and actually just you know letting people know about these acts because i mean exactly. we may we may know about them, right? Because we keep, you know, our ear to the floor, but a lot of people out there well what the heck fine vipers next thing you know you know you're a fan so 
I mean, it's if it's a good we, tune, it's a good tune, and we're gonna play it. You know, most tune, of the yeah. most of the things that we consider to be good tunes happen to be old Jamaican music. But when we when there's right. modern stuff we like, we're definitely gonna play it. So I'm glad you played that one. Yeah, definitely. I'm stoked on those guys for sure. I think it's a, a couple of the guys' birthday today too, and they're twins. Oh, Shout right. out to Mark. That's and, right. Uh, let's see. We got Mark and John, Zach, on on organ and piano which I played with Zach on the 10 Foot Ganja Plant. They got uh, Rich on trumpet, which Rich plays uh, with Westbound Train. So it's really just an all-star right. cast here. But uh, get the record. Cool guys. Cool music. And speaking of... Speaking of cool guys and cool music, <laughs> I beat you. Go. You did beat me, darn it. <laughs> uh, our next guest I met a long time ago. I was in... Burbank, and we were doing a session at this guy named Scott Abel's house, a drummer for bands like Hepcat, uh, Lars and the Bastards bands. Uh, uh, he played drums for the Acrolytes for a period. And uh, I was like, whoa, that's the dude from Sublime. That's the producer from Sublime. Oh, shoot. And, and that was the first time I met him. It was all these people there, and I don't, I'm sure he doesn't remember. But after uh, years, years, years go by, and I start to work with uh, you know Miguel Moore, and he's just an amazing dude, but this cat, I always, when I'm with him, I'm picking his brain. I'm trying to figure out, you know, I'm asking questions because he's just, his way of producing is so cool. And it shows because he's part of some legendary, legendary albums out there. One of which is 40 Ounces to Freedom by Sublime. So without further ado, let's welcome Mike Miguel Happolt. Mike, get in here. Believe it! <laughs> yes, dude. In the man! <laughs> That's how you come on a show. Dude. If we done? We had our award show tomorrow. That that, you get first place for oh. Yeah. That's that's best intro so far. All right. Yeah. Let's, let's quit while we're ahead. Okay, well. <laughs> yeah. It, it can only go down you. from here, right? Pretty much. All right, is, <laughs> is that what you're telling me? We'll see me? you next week then. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. thank you all for tuning Thanks. in. Um, next week we're going to have Miguel. Um, <laughs> dude, Miguel, how you been, dude? Can't complain, can't complain. There's a lot of crazy shit going on in this world. You got to stay level-headed. You got to be thankful for what you have. You have to be mm -hmm. uh, tolerant of everybody's uh, situation. And, and that's what, myself personally, that's what helps me get through crazy shit. And uh, just keep keep moving, keep climbing. You know, we got, you know, next Gil Miggs and Rod's record coming up. Big respect to Gil Sharon, yeah. of course, our buddy. And, uh, you yeah, know... Man some some works with scientists coming up and uh you know just doing it you know so it's staying alive man it's like yeah for for those that don't know out there um and i might have mentioned it before on the show uh there's a project called gil Miggs and raj which uh um miguel's in the band uh gil sharon's in the band and myself and it's mostly it's kind of like it feels like it's it's just kind of like a dope-ass production team does it feel like that miguel i mean it really that's what it is it's like, it's like the music just, comes so easy that yeah that's uh we track you know five six seven songs a day and uh um, yeah so we're real thankful for that it's a, it's a it's hard to explain but having just three guys make the decisions is a, it's a unique interesting concept and everybody's multi-instrumentalist so we can do a lot of things and make it sound yeah, like more, sure. more more than three guys so I'm super happy with it. It seems like a, a like a tribute to the great Coxon. Um in that it's uh, it's rhythm first. I guess more like Lee Perry in that in a sense that uh it's, it's rhythms first. Like who's gonna sing on one and all that? We we'll figure that out later. Um so you know, if 
check us out. Those rhythms, you know, we, we love it when people get on them. Um, my band, my boy uh, Danny from Burnt is getting on uh, the minor league, Roger. He's working on that. You remember Burnt? And, uh, oh, yeah, I remember man. Burnt yeah. too, man. Yeah, the they're Spanish still around. They got a, Way long ago. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you, of course, Rob from uh, the Debonairs on drums. Oh, Debonairs too. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so they've been around. Amazing. And this record's really a banger. I just put some guitar on a couple tracks and... Uh, um and we got Sonny Heck from yeah. POD. He did your your song Roger the Thai food. That's coming yeah, coming that's up coming next. Right. Uh and, and so we did, we did stupid, right? We did Well, we did that's the, how it started. Yeah, it started with the uh, you know, Kyle kicked it off. Um we did a session that uh just to do it. You remember those days, Roger? We had time on our hands. Dude, yes. <laughs> Oh, for sure. Yeah, when it was just like, all right, just yeah, yeah exactly. Dave Fuentes was, was the best. He got me into that. He would call me out of the clear blue sky. The great Dave Fuentes from Headcat. He would mm-hmm. call me and he would just be like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Just hanging, you know. Everything's cool." He's like, "I'm gonna come down and we'll work on some songs." It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? How you say no to that? And he would. And uh, right, he just was like, and then I, then I'd be like, "Yeah, come back and finish." You know, with these other two, he's like, "Oh, I'm busy for like three weeks." You know, so he, he just didn't like to have an off day, man. He liked to work and he just, you know, and then so you got Aaron Owens going on it. Like when he had a day off, I was like, book some time. You got money. Like, you know, we, and we started working. So Aaron, through Dave and then Aaron Owens, we started jamming with Gil. Right. And I do remember when I met you, Roger. You know, I remember that because we had Tossie <laughs> there and we had Filiano <laughs> and Jack. We did a gig. Right. We did a gig at the Good Hurt, right? Is that where is that the Good Hurt? Yeah, man. Yeah, man. That's way, I'm, way I back. Remember back. That, man. Wow, the Good Hurt. Wow. You remember good. that, Devin? The, it was like yeah, it, the theme sure. was like hospital. Yeah, yeah. 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 The, the the medical cross up and stuff. Right, right. It'd have been perfect that for was, nowadays. That was cool. But no, yeah, I remember that going to Scott's, going to Scott's house, and then Scott was like, "Yeah, oh, we got to get our." Let's 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 be on top of this because you know uh, Miguel's coming from Skunk, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, dang. And, you know, and now I, I'm fortunate enough to call you the homie, but like yeah. back then I'm like, fuck, I got to wear clean underwear now. Yeah, like, yeah. I took a shower for this. I got to come my like, A-game. Why? I had to take a shower for this. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, thank you both. Thank you both for showering. Yeah. Because it just makes the experience that much, that much sweeter. Right. And, if, you know, <laughs> don't Miguel, get used to it. Miguel, you mentioned things that get you through, uh, you know, rough times. And I think one thing that gets through a, a lot of people through rough times is is this record, 40 Ounces to Freedom. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that I know seems for that me, way. That's for, for sure. sure. Yeah. For me, it, it definitely it, did. Um, it's definitely, you know, you know, let's make a toast right here to Brad Noel, man. What yeah. a yeah, dude. dude. I, they'll never, there'll never be another guy like that. They'll never will. He Cheers was a fantastic human, man. He, he was obviously, he could sing and write songs in this, play guitar, like, incredibly but he was a very his father's very unique and amazing and they're just very you know like unique and amazing and he he uh we're gonna kick the are we, all, are we about ready to kick it off because i can segue this story into that are we about ready yeah, to please kick it do off? We'll, okay yeah, i'm so ready which track which one track of those this will be uh we'll do the great courtney melody this track is special right. to me because when I met Eric and Brad, they both had the booming systems. This was kind of somewhat new. When you get in the car, they had the you know the amps and the and the, and the, the big uh, you know kickers. We used to call them kickers, right? right. And um, they were both into this tune, and he sang like he we'll just run the track. He sings kind of Arabic in a way, and it was so alien to me. And the bass keyboard would just be just destroying your chest. It was listen to this. 
You believe you were tough You believe you were tough But you know roll up like me You know roll up like me Anytime me come, me come dangerous And anytime me come, me come cantangerous Me nicer than the coffee we in a tremors Yes, cold the melody me don't answer No way Yeah, man. Brings back memories, you know. I walk out the place and I screw up the face and them not say, Oh, Lord. Pull up the tune. You just walk out the place with the gun in your waist, you know, say. Yeah, man. I mean, there's, I play that for, 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 for the whole Sublime family, like, or the band family, the, the, you know, the guys and the, because that tune, Really, it's just I could have picked a million. I don't know why I picked that one. It just is good enough because that bass sound in those guys' cars, you know, like I never really right. We didn't have a dance hall. We 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 were the dance hall on wheels, riding down the fucking block. Yeah, man. So when I hear that music for the first time, I never heard it on a boombox or some laptop or some phone or some little uh, pin pan ting, you know. The yeah. only way I ever heard that shit was just shaking down spine, you know, shaking down your spinal column, like Lynn Questy Johnson says. You know, I never heard it yeah. any other way. So when they were, and they, when the fact they were just as excited about that dancehall business, that electronic, com, com, we call it computerized dub. We didn't, it didn't really have a genre name at the time, not not in Long Beach, but uh, but that. And that vocal style, that pretty vocal over that mean bass and the, and the almost rap kind of drums, I just understood it. Like, and that was Brad singing. He's like, "No one understands why this is amazing." And I'm like, Could I? Well, "We both love rap, right. and we both love punk rock, you know." So, and ska, third wave England, and all that. And so, but to like this was like, oh, a step over the line. I guess you could say in the day, you know, there was a lot of right. Pete. No respect to the masters, of course, Peter Tosh and Bunny Whaler and. And Bob, you know, but it was a lot of just Rasta, you know, far right roots, love. Um, and they didn't really get the dance hall because we didn't have dance halls. I always trip right. on what that. Year, what, what year is this? This Miguel is uh, 90, like- 1990, Long Beach, California. Woo, and, daddy. Uh, so we're rolling around. I, rap- I wasn't even born yet. What? <laughs> Stop. No, I'm joking. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, dude, you got me for a second. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, so we're, yeah, we're rolling around listening to this like it's a dance hall. Like when, you know, like the average ghetto struggler in, in Jamaica, the way he hears a, a corny melody, you know? Yeah. You know, literally, it was for eight blocks away. Um, right. The lyrics got really topical in the 80s, you know, like, and you you alluded to it. You know, it's like in the 70s, all the root stuff was... was yeah. Happening. Large, largely about more universal themes of you know love and, well, and uh, yeah, fighting, yeah. fighting against oppression, and then in, in like Courtney Melody stuff, like dancehall stuff, it was like talking about really like local. It, it's like, rap. You know, it's ba- it's battling, and it's yeah. also it's ba- he's it's, saying you know if you think you're tough, you you're not rough like me. Yeah, that's the gist of the song. Is like you believe you are tough. You believe you are tough. He's <laughs> just <laughs> saying, but you're not rough like me. You understand what I'm saying? And I didn't understand the patois. So Brad's telling me this. He's like, and that's how he felt. You know what I mean? Like to the whole world, you know, Bon Jovi and all this shit, you know, whatever. And I, no respect to those guys. <laughs> but it's first name popped in my head. But 
But, you know, he was like, you think you're a rough? Like, this is, he was coming out of his shell, you know, like a magic butterfly to this music. I was like, yeah. yo, man, this dude feels this deeply, you know? And I saw, of course, he, you right. know, he gave me, he would let me borrow, like, mixtapes that he had. He would, like, call and check on him like a pet. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he would oh, carry man. him around in his pocket. He would carry one tape, cassette, in the shell, you know? Just in case mm-hmm. we go to a come girl's house and they're listening to fucking, I don't even know who cares. Put any name you want, it didn't matter because it wasn't going to be Jamaica dance on. Pop that out, pop it in, wherever it doesn't even Damn. matter. Hit play. Uh, you know what I mean? That's, Maybe there's three that's goof, such a, three goofballs ever that went oh, like this. The rest of the girls will start. <laughs> it was that's like such a, a cool thing, man. It was because now we got the phones right. It's like all right, let me get the ox cord. But, like, in his yeah. case, like, nah, let me, here's this tape. Put this in. That's dope. Yeah. That's dope, you just dude. walk up, take whatever there is to hit stop. Not even fade. Yeah. <laughs> Cold. Like, Cold uh, stop. You know? Sorry, Debbie Gibson. But I, would, I used to do that, too. When I was back, I came from Central Florida, Lakeland. And I used to do that, too, because I'd have a tape. You know, it was inch, we, were, we had a lot in common. And that was one thing. I used to go into the party. They'd be, if it wasn't what we wanted here, me and the fellas, when we, nah. Boom, click, take it out. <laughs> Put in what we want to hear, you know, like we it would it music doesn't mean that much to everybody, you know? And uh Right, right. It really doesn't, and that's okay. It's just that man, when you when you get people who music means so goddamn much, you know what I mean? That that's where you get some electricity and all all the memories I have of going back my whole career, like nothing like the me and Brad and him explaining his dance hall shit to me. That's how you got 40 Ounce of Freedom. That's the bedrock of it all. Because the punk rock, the sky, all that was sort of already self-explanatory. You know what I mean? But like he was the straight, he was the internet of this shit as far as I could see. Because everywhere we go, all these bands and all these people, like no one knew a single guy he was into. Like I was like, oh, this dude, we might as well be listening to Armenian music. You know what I mean? <laughs> Russian right, or Japanese. Right, right, because, totally. you know, it was Tenor Saw, about, you know like, Tenor Saw? To like Gwen. And she's like, no. She does now, but you know what I mean? But, you know, yeah, at that yeah, time, right. she, how the fuck would she know? She, oh, fuck it. How would right. she know? There wasn't no internet, so it's not like she could just be on YouTube looking at yeah. playlists and stuff. Nah, he cultivated yeah. his uh, his playlist, and he picked tunes and made, his, you know, tapes. And he got uh, yeah. he got the rest of the band, set, just like me, he got them under, his, under their spell, and they loved it too, you know? They all collected the songs and bring it in and we argue was it even is it good enough you know is it you know right dibby dibby business or is it like a real street track because we weren't in any hurry to add to the to the tape you understand what i'm trying to say it was like early hip-hop they didn't have a deadlines based on like some magazine article you understand what i'm saying there was so few tracks to go around they only came out when it was hot you know that was that was it. Like, there was no rush to have a bunch of, of whack jams. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, and for us, it was like, or you know, if we would have been DJs or something, it, it, the playlist would have kind of been kind of rigid for a while. But <laughs> it took a lot to knock something off. You know what I mean? Like, it took a lot yeah. to knock right. something off. Like a boom, a boom, bye bye, by uh, and so did this, did this tune came out partic- when I met Brad. That, that knocked some. Songs did this off. tune? Did this tune in particular? like spark anything as far as you know for you guys or was it just like no, an overall vibe that, well, no like i was just saying i just picked a tune that i wanted to hear and <laughs> it just gave right. me a fond memory of brad <laughs> pounding so- on his dashboard and driving that car listening so loud and, and just 
and just singing those lyrics, but singing them to me in like plain English, mm-hmm. so I could understand, you know, the patois. Uh, yeah, yeah. And just thinking like, yeah, well, this dude is like, these aren't just lyrics to him. He he honestly is ready to to go up against like anybody. Like, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? Like, and if he would deliver, he would. Who would he? Who would, you know, who would go up against him? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know what I'm trying to say is like these these people with the fascinated on. Do you f- well, go ahead. Do you feel like that's that sentiment, that feeling definitely carried into the music and what you guys did with, with the album? He was, yeah, he just, he was so into it. I was so into it. And um, he had the band all, you know, he'd play every weekend, man. Like, and it was a scene and it was so fun and it was so good. You know, like, it was just unbelievable to hear the sound coming off a driveway, you know, like, to hear, like, to me, I was like, this is a fully formed band. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, For know. sure. Um, and then, you know, so we, we started to, we, we started to record, but they had a, I had, I was in a band called the Ziggins. I was at Dominguez mm-hmm. Hills. I'm recording the Ziggins there, and I'm recording other things there. Ziggins breaks up. I meet Brad, so I start recording them. And uh, the first, what's the first song that's queued up there, Devin? We got, uh, well, we or, got, right. we got a, I'm not sure it's in order, really. I'm not sure if it's in order. I got Badfish. You got, okay. I'm not. You got Badfish. Well, I'm that not, makes sense. Badfish makes order? sense. So I, we go to, we begin to start working on this. <laughs> Uh, I go the wrong way. It's like backing up a trailer. Oh, snap. That was our yeah. that was our like second demo tape, but it was the one we took the most serious. Um that was the first twenty-four track session. And by now I had heard, you know, all we were really grooving, like, you know, as far as like, you know, like this song or like that song. Um Yeah. When I'm mixing the tell, track, Miguel, tell the people what you just for the people just listening on audio. What what was that you just ho- held up right now? This is John. This is a uh, John won't pay the bills. This was Sublime's re- in reality first demo tape. Um, wow, they had one before that, but we only made it like a few hundred copies and immediately got to work on this because mm-hmm. the four song original demo that Brad gave me it, it sounds good. It's punchy. It's clean, but it's like not dubby and there's not a mm-hmm. lot of drops. It's it's just not what he wanted, you know. He didn't know how to really express it, um, and so when we went to work on John will pay the bills, it was like he was like determined to take his time and get his goddamn point across. You understand what I'm saying? And so yeah. those DJs, that song, that was the first thing we worked on, yeah. and that was the thing that took the longest. And it was roll I got it. that right here when you're ready. <laughs> Hit that. Taking a lesson. The pump of that rhythm section, this and that. The drums are reco- the drum and bass. No click. Nice. No click. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, obviously, Brad's vocal, amazing. I thought he made a, all, wrote all these lyrics too. I didn't. Yeah, I never even heard that Bob Marley. Too. Yeah. Wow. So man. that so that's like prime example. So he's like, I'm sick of all the bleed. I don't like the drum kits that go. Gah, 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 shh. That's not what we're listening to. You know, we're listening to yeah. dance all. He's like, I want it to sound like that. And so, like, all right. Wow. So we did the kick, snare, hi-hat. This is the session. Kick, snare, hi-hat. Bass, scratch vocal, and scratch uh, uh, guitar. There was only four good preamps at the studio. Right? This is how into it we were. Two-inch tape. Only four good preamps, right? So for drums, we we didn't want to sacrifice it all. So the bass, kick, snare, and hi-hat, four. That's how we tracked... The five songs that were, were that we tracked five songs at, at Dominguez and they they ended up on 40 ounces of freedom, but we didn't change them at all, we just put them on it. And uh, so that would be it. We get the bass and the drums, uh, for Bad Fish, Let's Go Get Stoned, um, new song, DJs, and uh, eventually Live at Ease. Although Live at Ease was more regular drum kit, the uh. But wow. the point was, Bud would go and overdub the fills <laughs> and the cymbals. He just left them in there in his in his mind. He just left them in there, and he played the whole way through, no break, because we wanted to be able to use the fader because <laughs> all the music we're listening to, right? We didn't know any other yeah. way to do it, really. And then that way, we were able to gate and trigger the kick and snare uh, to be really precise, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. But we didn't know you just wow. get a drum machine and <laughs> program. How about try right. this? You know, <laughs> that'll help you. But there you go. What they did was so f- goddamn original. You know, wanting mm-hmm. to do that and asking me, "Is that possible?" Right? I go, "Yeah." I don't- it sounds kind of crazy, but let's try it. You know. <laughs> and they I mean, they went the and practiced. The the- oh, for days they practiced the tunes, just regular, right? Drum kit, just regular, and they were so ready. And I was just in shock. Like, they just killed it. They, that didn't phase them at all to do it. That unorthodox manner didn't phase them at all. In fact, it kind of made it doper because it just kept everything really... They were really into playing, like, a machine, like machines. Like, you know, if, if, you, know, if you would have just... Yeah, they, if you would have gave them the key... We didn't have a bass keyboard. We didn't have a good drum machine. We had a little crappy mm-hmm. one. So they... Right. We, we wanted... <laughs> And then Brad was thinking maybe that's like the way, you know, like to it is to make the, uh, so that tune is big. What was the next one on there? Oh, yeah. What do we got? Bad Fish. I that it's Bad Fish. Bad Fish. Like, like, next. Roll this. Next. Bad Fish next? For all, for all Long Beach, for this is for the massive, for our homies, for friends, anyone tuning in. Cheers. Classic, right? It's Bayshore Saloon on 2nd Street, man. That's good, dude. Hey, man, what's up? Groovy Greg, who made the Day Ray video. Again, the bass and the melody. It's like, Fantastic. 
Hej, hej. Oh, we went down the volume. Oh, we fade out there. But you get, you know, so that song yeah. is was just beautiful. Um, Ballady showing a whole different side with the acoustics and everything. And just brings back a lot of memories. Like we used to hang out on Second Street, go to the bars. And and that was the reef. When you, if you get, the, as the street goes up, <laughs> if you know Long Beach, and you look at Second Street, it's like down there, it looks like a little electric, like coral reef, you know, where all the fish are swimming mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. And that's, we had like a little talk about it like that. And he just came back like two days later with the guitar at my house on Third Street. And he had that whole tune. Wow, like, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's, so that was an easy one, really. We made that pretty quick. But again, it was the same method. Um, and uh, that's Eric on the B3, Roger. No kidding, man. Yeah, he had skills on the keyboard. And Dominguez had a good B3 with a Leslie and all that. And it just sat there. I'd never wow. seen anybody turn it on or anything, you know. <laughs> I, I right. didn't even know. And then Eric showed up for that. Set. You, Oh, that, that organ's dope, you know. And he turned right, it. He right. knew how to like, you know, how you know, you've got to turn the motor on and then wait and all that. Right. He knew yeah. all that. And he fired it up. <laughs> I was like, I don't think that thing works. Because uh, all the idiots <laughs> kept trying to turn it on and turn it on. They didn't know. Eric knew manager, right. and he was like, "Boom!" So every time there was a break, he was in. It was in the other room. He, he was always in there, like just he just loved it. And he wrote a <laughs> beautiful. He played on that "Bad Fish," which pretty simply, but but it's great. It adds a lot to the track. And uh, it does. But the, we're not. We didn't. I've been put it on the list, but the other tune, "Let's Go Get Stone at the end. That's climbing crazy crescendo B3. He like worked all that out mm-hmm. and did that shit mm-hmm. in like one take. He was really great. Eric. Wow. Eric was into playing wow. like a lot of instruments, like a Brian Jones kind of thing, you know, bongos and everything. You were mentioning you were referencing the bass in that. And like that's one of the things that like when I first heard Sublime and I was listening to reggae, that's one of the first connections I made. Cause I wasn't super into dance tall yet, so I didn't really make that connection. But I yeah. was making the like, oh, these guys listen to Jamaican music because the bass line it's fulfilling, it's doing what Jamaican bass lines do, right? It's mm. like it's holding down the rhythm section, but it's also providing a counter melody to the vocals. Like you can, there's not a lot of music where you can walk away humming the yeah. bass line. You know, like the bass line is the thing that sticks in your head. And that, that tune, in, in, you know, in particular, it's like the boom, 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 like that part just sticks in everybody's head. Brad gave me two, uh, two, Brad gave me two lessons about reggae in, in our entire like running. One was, um, when we for he's like I don't care anybody else in this band when we play skanks we play down, <laughs> so you yes, get the yes. meat of the he's right the meat of the low strings makes it a little thicker, uh, and uh, and then when we go in the second position, you know we both had long fingers so you you flatten so you never hear the high E so you're basically playing the D but in a bar chord you want them low mm-hmm. so he showed me how to that he's like that's how I play skanks and like. I, am I, you know, he was like, you should play them that way too. All right. I don't know. <laughs> so I played them like that because I was in a band for a while. And uh, and then the other thing, he was like, all you need to know about the timing of it is like one, two, everyone's a three, four, is it one? <laughs> Brad and Eric, all them guys were like, you just sing the bass line in your head. And there's yeah. just no other place those skanks could possibly go. And I was like, let me try it. And just... You know, instantly I was like, "Oh, okay." So it was weird. It was weird. Like you either spoke that language with us, or you, or you didn't. Like you either got it on the baseline. Eric was like kind of like the, in a way, like the drummer 
for a lot of what they did, not all of it, but with some certain songs, it was like because that's how it is in Jamaica. The bass is kind of the drums, right? The right. whole the bass line is like, especially in the older, you know, early reggae period, you know, sound system. The you know the bass is still louder than the kick, you know, for a long time, a long period in Jamaica, you know, because it had more value. Rap comes in in America and makes it all about the kick drum, you know, and then all of a sudden you have this battle, and you know. So we were some sonically determined to find a, a, a fine line between kick and bass always. That's a sublime standard is to try to get both of those mm-hmm. to sit as heavy in the track as possible for would just you to try to Eric, satisfy both Eric? impulses, <laughs> the, re- the rap and the reggae. We, we you know, we'll, we'll get to more of that later, but what were we going to say would about you say? Would you say Eric admired uh, Jamaican music as much as Brad did at this point? Would you say like, you know, Bud, you, Eric, the whole gang? You should have him on. on. You should have him on because you know he. For sure. I, it's hard for me to really speak for him. All I could, for what I heard from you know him, if he liked a certain song like all loud and you know if it it was weird like they you couldn't just play them any reggae and be oh we love reggae it wasn't like that it was like DJ there were certain songs they liked. And so you know, so you have to really get into. Yeah. I don't, you know, his like influence right. and, and right. stylings and all that. He kind of came into my world full, full formed in a way. Like he, he really was gotcha. the same guy you see right now in, in a lot of ways musically. I mean, of course, he's you know more sophisticated now, but but he, his patterns and leaving space and understanding all how it worked with the drums. He's kind. Of, he plays drums too, so he he plays uh, bass like a drummer. Mm-hmm. He loops everything in a way that's like mechanical. And um and that fluidity with Brad's vocals and and the way whoever's playing drums sits on top of that that's what makes it makes it real that's what makes the uh, the sound come alive and they they were just used to doing it in a backyard every night you know now it's kind of like people right. can program that but like those guys sort of <laughs> it proves that you could just play it but anyway there's a there's a question here from uh and everybody watching live if you got questions please now's the time to ask but there's a ask question them. here from Freddie Hall. And he wants to know Freddy. what is the teaser? What is the teaser track at the end of Johnny Too Bad on the Jaw Won't Pay the Bills version? Uh, I think you maybe have some product at the late. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not familiar with that at all. <laughs> we we'll go to the next question. Okay. Well, there you go. Sometimes the label reconfigures about- songs and stuff. I, I don't know. All right. That doesn't ring. Well, a there bell. you go. Ring and those are usually the answers like when people are like oh have, they have to know that as an artist you're usually like i really don't remember anyway I, you, know, I, I, you know what what what's the, what's is there an influence track now let's keep things moving along <laughs> influence track now we'll keep things moving um sorry freddie i really don't know no do you have that list miguel in front of you because i'm i, I was, uh, was going to kind of go your your speed on this i have them here but not necessarily in order not necessarily in so order. But as you pull that up, I definitely want to just end on on, on a note. Yeah, I want to end on a note of bad fish. Is that the the cool thing about Sublime? And granted, it's it's usually only you know three elements, four if you include vocals. But you got drum, bass, and guitar. But wow, you know, you look at that song, and that's already a classic. It feels like you know that was a Michael Jackson beat uh, it or something. My uh, my, I turned that in for my recording project. Like that song, okay. So, so the, when people cover that song, they're like the, the bass player is playing that. You know, everybody. There's so many staples in in any given Sublime song. Yeah. You know, it's like there's the lyrics, there's the guitar solos that are gonna be perfectly yeah. like that when it's covered. There's the bass line. Okay. You're not gonna hear Bad Fish with any other bass line. You can't. You know. 
put so, put, put up a live at ease. That's that's a fun one. That's uh, so this is All where right. Marshall joins the band. Here we go. Marshall was around, and then uh, this is the first. This is Marshall on drums. Yeah, at Dominguez. Cool. Don't get me wrong, I'm just uh, singing my song. I'm just like you. I like to bone my face all night long. I don't like to quiet rhyme. I also cut so nice and all the fight and perpetrate the beat. Just want my slice. It's also like echoing like rap, like you know, we're beast. Like you, know, you can hear these influences. Brad singing play up there. A lot of firsts on this one. This is me on guitar now. First time on the Sublime Brad mixing the echo. Because he had to punch me in, I'd go to the other room. So that's you on guitar? <laughs> yeah, so he he did he, he said you wanna you might as well get on this. You know, Eric even sings on it. He's like, You might you gotta get on this track. Because oh, it was time to do the solo. And he's like, You go do it. I go, all right, I'll go do it. So he punched me in and then he was uh he, he uh I was taping the echo. Cause I like the sound of it. He was playing, and I was taping the echo. And then he was. He said, "I, I don't have any ideas for this. You, you do it." And I was like, "Oh, all right." Yeah, because he knew me playing from just around the house, you know, and, and from the Ziggins album. That was really what the first thing he asked me. He said, "Who played guitar on that Ziggins record?" And I said, "That's that's me. I did all those guitars." He's like, "That's is that really you?" <laughs> Didn't believe me. You know? And I'm like, "Yeah, you yeah." Know? But I thought he was good, uh, just lying. as good a guitar player as me. Like all the solos that he would ask me to do, it was kind of like, sure, but you know. Like, but we did have a thing. It was like three strikes, you're out. So <laughs> if you you could do Man, three takes, times have changed. Yeah, yeah. We were always out of tracks. You could always you could do three tra- you could do three times, but you're stuck with the third one. So Got what you. that encourages you to do is to keep the first one, right? So that's like a straight first. No thought of anything. Just goes going for it. a lot of the album. Well, you know what? So, that, that pays homage to old school Jamaica. I mean, that pays homage to analog recording, wouldn't you say? It, it pays and rap. It, it, pays, it was it's coming like, from rap. It. it was coming from rap, like just freestyle. Right. And so that's interesting. Right. That's Marshall, you know, singing on their rap. And, and both me and Marshall used to rap with the band in the backyard days. Marshall would play drums too. <laughs> that's uh, so know, awesome. Sit dude. in, but he also had. He was he was good on the mic. In an OP, and so I, when I first started hanging out with them, I would I would get on the mic and freestyle. That was my thing. I was gonna be like a rapper, you know. What I mean? Next time I get you all all in the same room, yeah. I'm I'm coming with a boombox and I'm boom not box, yeah. taking no for an answer. I need to see all you guys. We used to rap, rap and battle. pass the That's mic. They great. would just play like uh, you know a gangster song or something, and oh, just on instruments yeah. though, you know. And then we just and the kids, awesome. all the kids from the neighborhood. Uh, you know, um, General Jones and all these guys. Um, you know, I don't know so where they're at now, but shout out to them. We used to have a, a good time. Part of the end of the show is Brad would just let everybody freestyle and stuff. He would too, and he just loved that drum and bass and the girl because the girls kept dancing. It was still it was still dance music to them, but it was like for the fellas and you know talking shit on people and their shoes and how they got beat up the night before and all that fucking shit. It was fun. And so b- both me and Marshall had like sort of an aspiration to uh, to be on the mic, but but you know nice. what I mean. So that's Marshall. Uh, he wrote all them lyrics and and rapped yeah. on that song. He played drums. We did that whole song in four hours. 
from the setup really? the mics out of the closet to mix everything yeah it was crazy it was so fun they came to do he came we came to do the mix of some tune uh new song we were going to remix it because there's all weird the flangers the vocals come in and out it's really the crappiest mix we did it like four in the morning we never had a chance to redo it which is sad i wish we did and uh He's like, we're not going to mix the tune. We're going to do a whole new tune. I just wrote it. <laughs> it was live at ease. And, and Marshall had the lyrics. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. You know, and then and that was the first time Marshall played drums. And then from then on, he was, you know, in the band live every night. Um, I'm not, I wasn't there for, like, how it switched over, really. I never really understood that. But uh, you have to ask somebody else about that. But all of a sudden, you know, Marshall was around. And he was good with the turntables and wanted to rap he would rap and he great on the drums he would sit in at parties all the time and so he was around like part of the team and um so then it was just the next phase then they were a three-piece and then i was in the group for you know a year or two as a four-piece and but that's where we cut uh we started touring on the cassette john pay the bills and getting mm-hmm. out to florida and up to seattle and shit and then so that was it that was the impetus of like all right we we got Five good songs, well produced. Let's make a CD. Let's go in the studio, mm-hmm. and then so we set out to just go in the studio and make a CD of the live set. You know that that's what Forty Ounce became. So there was like the five songs we did as a demo that we really thought still thought were great, and so and then we recorded a bunch of new songs with Marshall on drums, and and then uh, we just put the two together. So crazy. Run this next inspiration track. This one. Okay, which one's that? That one is which probably one? Uh, the Great De La Soul. What's the for name those of those? For those who magic don't know, number? the magic number. Is it? Oh, magic. Number. I just don't. There we go. Please, please turn this up as loud as your human ears can take it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Sound familiar? Oh shit. Oh. Three. That's the magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number three. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community was born three, they stub me And that's the magic number What does it all mean? Difficult preaching is posthumous pleasure Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart Something that stimulates the music in a measure Measure in the music raises three parts Casually see but don't do like the soul Cause seeing and doing are actions for monkeys Doing hip-hop hustle, no rock and roll Unless your name's Brewster, cause Brewster's a punk Parents let go cause it's magic in the air Criticize and rap, so you out of order Stop looking, listen to the phrase in front of the stairs And don't get offended while Mace Dosey does your daughter A dry camera roll system is now set Fly around the store under Daisy production It stands for the inner sound, y'all in your Quebec that the Actually not a trip, but show me the function. Everybody wants to be a, a DJ. Everybody, Everybody wants, wants to be an MC. <laughs> the flow of the cadence is kind of Caribbean <laughs> in a way. That that track was that whole album is massive, just in case you don't yeah. know. Oh yeah. Classic right there, Dylan. Uh, oh man. Ridiculous page turning record as far as new sounds and new concepts. Um you know, and that was their first record. So K Rock was actually playing that tune. The magic number that's where we heard it first is on the radio coming home from the studio we turned it on and it's that we thought something was broken you know what i mean like what this is on what is this on k is that led zeppelin drums you know what i mean like what the fuck right and then the flow and then the whole thing took off i, I just picked that record because the hip-hop i could have picked anybody but 
that record also had like 8 million samples, you know what I mean? And it was like a little cinema scope mm-hmm. for the mind. It was really made to listen to beginning to end. Um, mm-hmm. And so that that really was like a blueprint record for 40 Ounce to Freedom. It was like, okay, we got to do at least our version of, of this, you know, like, you know, have some real fun with it, you know, like grunge was in and all that. And uh, yeah. that, it just meant a lot to us. That, and Loop and Led Zeppelin were like, oh, our bets are off now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Seriously? Totally. All right, yo, let's go. Because you know, we had all them records laying around. They hadn't been touched in a while. It's like, let's dust them off, you know? And uh, What year was that? What year was that De La Soul record? 91. No, 89. 90? 89. Hmm. I might... Yeah, 89. If I had to guess. So that was... It was... But we were late on it. You have to understand. It was probably 89, but we probably didn't hear it till 90. Being from right. the West Coast. I mean, I'm sure it was blowing up the boroughs, but... um. Yeah, we we everything coming out of New York, we caught a little bit late, unless it made MTV, um, and then right. and, and then you would catch it. But on radio and on the street, it would be a little bit late. Um, there was a lag. <laughs> Imagine that. People don't know there was a little bit of a geographical right. lag. And no, in, no internet. You know, like big time nah. lag. I would say. You know, it all worked out. It was all right. And then so it, it so that tune really so between the 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 rap was getting really. It wasn't hip hop yet. I guess it was just becoming hip hop. It was becoming really musical and free and creative in a whole new period. You know, it was always that, but it was going into a whole new period of like album um, art, you know, or just, you know, yeah. the art of just not just singles. And um, that was clear. Right. So that whole part of like, you know, um, all them guys from New York, they seem to even, even, NWA and Easy E, but we all know that story well. They were huge influence on us too, of course. But and the, but they were catching a little bit of this too. They were like trying to be more dramatic and and do stuff that was a little bit above the grade, you know. So mm-hmm. what happened was this guy Danny Holloway, legend, Hollywood legend, good guy, um, music lover, like interviewed Bowie when he was a teenager. <laughs> Shit, he's like he was all into reggae, and somehow he heard uh, he heard our tape John paid the bills and he wanted to uh, get a sign and he knew people in LA and uh, he started like lending Brad money to live on so he could write songs and he he really tried to work with us and he he wanted us to make you know some more like DJs was like his joint he was like you need to make a bunch of songs like this alright you know like cause he came and saw us playing there was punk rock and ska and freestyle all the fellas and everything and he was like alright Go, go and start working on, um, you know, I bought a sampler and uh, so we could sample drums and loop drums. That was just mm-hmm. fucking groundbreaking. We just endless hours. I mean, we what sampler was it? What it was sampler was it? S50. I still okay. got it. You want it? You can have it. <laughs> it works. I'm taken. Dude. No, are you kidding me? It's got a low. It's got a. That, that, that's, like, that's like a museum piece right Well, there, if they man. want you it gotta... for the museum, you got to give it to the museum, but you can have it in the meantime. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> no, but see, so stuff like that. If the is museum super, thing pans super. out, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> it should. You're right, but we'll see. But and so, so, so we're yeah. sampling and stuff. So Marshall's good with hip hop. He's studying. He's deeper way into it than us, you know, because he just is, was following it even further and DJing at parties. Um, so Marshall is like directing us, listen to this, listen to that, 
and then stuff's coming in, you know, and then we're clicking on the things that we like, that Marshall likes too. Um, mm -hmm. So now we're going to sit down and make our own track uh, for Danny to get shop, you know, to sort of say, here's like you West Coast Beastie Boys. You know, that's how he kind of thought, I think what he thought he had. Um, maybe he did. We'll play the next song, Get Out by Sublime. The, the, uh, yeah, man. A portion for the band version. This version is... Never been officially released, but we'll go ahead and listen to it right here. Turn it up a bit. Or is it set up? There you go. That's Marshall. Sample. the freestyle so it's me. Get it, get it, get it all the time. People want to know the meaning of the word sublime. It's an kiss, man. It's a shit. My rap aspiration for this. man losing out a peanut twist because we know you love the pit. But this is the shit that you put in the box and say, damn, it's a hit. Why ain't it all the radios and the TV shows? Because we don't kiss no ass or kick down free shows. What you get is the kind of gang no sense when yellow lows on the DRMS. Love and dig a I lost that reverb And I could never on the remix We had to remix that track From all the samples So the, the remix version is on this album It's called right, right. Secondhand Smoke yeah. And it's dope But uh, I lost that I lost that reverb at the end <laughs> It was a quadriverb piece of shit But uh -huh. Had that certain sound, you know, and I just loved it because we would always track with effects, uh, you know, at the same time. Right, right. Maybe not on the same track, but always at the same time, like because uh, it just affects the way you do it. Like it's weird when you mm -hmm. go to put effect on something later, it's not, it can be like out of sync dancers or something. Oh, for sure. Even though, like, when you're singing, like, if you're singing with some reverb and, and delay in your in your cans, and yeah. it'll affect the way you're delivering. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of times in, in a good way. Yeah. And like, I feel like a lot of times some producers and even some artists don't understand that. You know, it's like even for live stuff, like I would sometimes say, "Hey, can I get a little like verb or delay like in the monitor?" And they'd be like, "Why do you need to hear that? Because it affects like it totally affects <laughs> your delivery sometimes." Well, yeah. That's a whole. Yeah, that's a whole. Man. That's a the whole. That's yeah. a whole other podcast right there, David. <laughs> <laughs> we actually have a podcast coming up on live reverb. On live so. yeah, reverb in the monitors. Not All reverb. Like, no, not yeah. reverb in general. It's the, it's strictly on live reverb in the monitor. Reverb yes, on yes, the yes, monitor. In the monitor. That's it's the name whole, of the podcast. A whole hour. It's called "Can I Get Some Reverb in, in the, the Monitor?" monitor. Oh, the whole Please. story. Notch from Born Americans. This is years later with the Dubs. We met Notch. From Born uh -huh. Americans, what a what a legend, what a guy, amazing, right? And uh, he showed up to jam, and he said, "I got a new thing that I do." <laughs> he had some box. Uh, I forget the brand, and it was the first one I'd ever seen. It was cool. He got it in Japan. It was a uh, it was a reverb, just a reverb unit, but it had quarter inch in and out, right? And so mm -hmm. I don't know, being kind of rootsy, Knotts was like, "Well, cool. I could plug the mic straight into it." And then he set it on the floor, and he would take the mic from the from the house and plug it into that. And he was so it was like, "Where's that reverb coming from?" He's like, "Oh, I, there was no there was no fixing it." You know, he was like, "That's just how right. I get down. Mm -hmm. Take it or mm -hmm. fucking leave yep. it." And it was like, "Yes, that's fucking beautiful." And they're looking at me like, "What are we gonna do with this guy?" I'm like, "Turn it up." 
it was perfect. It didn't <laughs> feed back or nothing. It just was huge. It just made him, he was happy. He sounded great and he could get into it and hit the high notes. I was like, see that? That's like a guy after our own spirit right there. Like, He's going to try to record. We'll have reverb in the Mars. <gasps> oh, the shock, the horror. It's like, this dude rocks Sting and Sunsplash, man. You think he's going to make a fool of himself tonight? Like, at House right. of Blues? He's not. You don't get it. Right. Like, he's ahead of you. Hey. He's up here. You're over here. You know, like, get that. You know, it's like scientists runs into problems with people. Then they're always oh, doing this and that. It's like, yeah. He's <laughs> a fucking scientist. What you, yeah. you know what I mean? People love the music, but they don't understand that it's different. Like, they want it to just be the same. It's like, well, we have heavy metal bands in here every night, and nobody ever wants reverb in the monitors. It's like, I understand that. If I was in a heavy metal band, <laughs> I wouldn't want the reverb in the monitors either. Well, maybe I would. I I don't know. But yeah. So anyway, so that was so that was an interesting track. We did that get out track, and mm-hmm. uh, it got dropped. We had to drop it because it had too many. See, that's the thing. So what playing? Did you the know Day at that point? Soul, right, Day of Soul. Right. Mm-hmm. We just listened to that the magic number. What's the drums? Mm-hmm. A loop of the crunch by Led mm-hmm. Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. A song called the crunch. So we're going, okay. Cool. So we loop on the second half of that tune I just played, you get out, uh, the Lemon Song by Led Zeppelin. Right? What's the fucking big deal? We're both on major labels. Somehow they got it clear. We got to act, we had to ask the whole tune. <laughs> Dang. Right? That's to nice. this day, yeah. they can't seem to get that yeah. shit ironed out. So that was kind of, so the ghetto version had that, the first like 30,000 copies had that on there. Well, the song "Summertime" too wasn't there clearance on that? Some kind of wasn't that's yeah, that that's that's. But that that's was slightly other. different. You know, this was a that was different. Yeah. Issue. What happened was when by the time we when we made "40 Ounce of Freedom," there was not a sample law in this yet. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, that I think '92 was when the sample. So when it came out, it was uh, it was suspect already. It was like it was a legal product the second it hit the shelf. Because it had all these gotcha. samples on it. It was like, oh, no sampling. And then here this comes with like 100 samples on it. It's like, what? Right, right. stupid? <laughs> it's like, fuck, man. We made it before that law, bro. We made it where everyone's running wild, right? yo. It was like the last guy right. looting or something. You! <laughs> Off the jail. Right. Get back here with that TV. What are you doing? Come on. <laughs> you just let 400 fools go. Like, yo, yeah, but you, come on. Damn. So they cut that song. Right, Brad would have, yeah, Brad lived. We, we had to cut the song. We had to cut the song. Uh, when we got signed to um, Gasoline Alley, which was an affiliate of, of uh, Universal yeah. at the time, so so crazy, um, man. Yeah, so that was that was a bit heartbreaking. I got to switch. Heck yeah, yeah, dude! Yeah. I, I yeah, because you're used to that. You're yeah, thinking, okay, it's going on the album. People are gonna love it, all that stuff, and then not ice, man. Yeah. Go what ahead, do we got? Go ahead and run Forty ounces of freedom, the title track. Yeah, can't, man. Can't talk about an album. Field Marshall Goodman on drums. Listen to this. Got your hair perm. You got your red what? on screaming. That's Going from one to the other, you know. Snare the knives on them. And the fog for me. 
Tapping on my window tells me that the morning's here and you'll be gone before too long. It still has a what the fuck is this impact to me, like the music, the drum bass and the vocals. Like, and where's the guitar? What is this? Like a little ambient. We faded a little bit early, but yeah, the vocal Classic, effects man. on the hook. That was a big tune. Brad wrote yeah, that last uh, last minute. What were you gonna say then? Really? Yeah. No, no, I was gonna say the vocal effects on the hook are sick. But yeah, Brad Brad wrote it last minute, huh? Yeah, that and a song called "Right Back." We were we were going in yeah. to with a studio, basically to play all the songs we were playing live, um, and uh, which was ten or twelve. And then he, uh, yeah, right at the end, he had he wrote two tunes. He wrote a forty ounce and a right back. We called a practice. We had a practice like a rehearsal, and we didn't rehearse anything. We just put, we worked on those two tunes, and uh, and then uh, so the day of the tracking, we had two two brand new ones, which is always exciting. You know what I mean? Like to have a right, right. And they're both. Yeah, he didn't have any, he didn't really have lyrics. He kind of had like some ideas. He had the melodies, uh, and then. Uh, you know, those two really, really came together. Marshall really crushed it on that with the one drop and the going back and forth, the power drums. It's just not easy yeah. for people to get those two feels like smoothly like that, you know. Mm -hmm. he, uh, and then he really accomplished that. And then, yeah, it was sort of like Bad Brains um, influence on the vocal, on the hook. In, in the end, he starts going, rah, rah, like making like HR kind of like growls and shit. Towards the right. end, because right. when when he started doing it, and I put the delay on, he's like, "Yes, that yeah, you know, like like it sounded like a against eye or something." And, uh, and which, which studio was this at with this particular song? So we, well, we okay, so Dominguez was where it all began, and then right that was only we were only supposed to be in there so many hours, and we kept pushing it, and they were getting mad. So uh, we started a commercial facility called Mambo. Um, that was owned by Steve okay. McNeil, the same guy who mixed the first demo tape that Brad handed me. He's a good guy, local guy. So he's got a studio in Long Beach on 2nd Street. Like you go from my old house, you could walk to it. And uh, right in the middle of this neighborhood, he's got a little 24-track studio in there. And the engineer is Antoine from the compound. Yeah, man. Did Shout you know that? Antoine, man. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at Agrolite's just... Uh, we're over there not that long ago. We oh, okay. Well, right no, right. but did you know he was but, the engineer in chair for that tone we just listened to? I actually did. Yeah. Just based on <laughs> talking to him and and telling him that you were coming on the show for this album, and so that was kind of the, small world. Right? Not 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 the tune. I knew he he worked on the album. Right. So, okay. So so yeah, so not specifically all the tunes with that drum sound. Right. Are from the same day. It was all one day. We we, we did all. The drums in one day. If I, drum, bass, and scratch guitar would have been one day. Nice. Um, they were really well rehearsed. I was just producing, so I was just in the control room, you know, just over, list, just listening, just trying to help. And Antoine was a staff engineer. He was the guy that they provided with this, and it sounded great right off the bat. He was a drummer. Um, and so the drums sounded really good right off the bat, and we just got going. 
and it's really it's funny because it was everything was sort of like a rust you know we back then with tape one of the kind of beautiful things is you really never you only talked when the tape was rewinding <laughs> you know um mm-hmm. the, the time was too valuable and you had to always keep right. rewinding the damn tape so you would talk in the rewind so whatever you had to say it was kind of like when you heard the tape start slowing down you kind of wrap it up b <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah, because we'll get right. You were so anxious to get right back to it. It's like, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> back to it. Yeah. It took a while. That, you know, what, you couldn't just punch in, punch in, punch in, punch in. You had to rewind every time. Like, oh, wait. Okay. True. All right, go. Was was doing it to tape by by choice, or or was it out of necessity? Because yeah, was, that's all. I, they mean, had. I know. Hmm? That's all they had back then. Okay, I mean, because all right, because I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't recording at that time, so I yeah. don't know. Like, obviously, some some stuff was. Be- being recorded to digital but it wasn't it wasn't as easily accessible they had digital uh reel to reels they had some uh tape machines that would tape and they would put digitally put the data on the tape there was no real digital maybe the fairlight computer like sting had one you know but no right. studios, no, the, the, no, no was no tools digital. or anything. Well, yeah, yeah, right, right. No ADAT, none of that shit. It was all no, tapes. No so, ADAT yet. So studios were real expensive still, and 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 you really when had did to. ADAT come on the scene. Like ninety eight or something like that. You could. Okay, well, that's I didn't a trip. It was that late? Yeah. I mean, yeah, same here. I, I would have thought it was earlier, early nineties or something, but no, that's yeah, crazy. No, it was all tape, man. That for is a, while. a trip. But that was we didn't yeah. even think we already knew that we'd been at Dominguez. We we had the four. We, I had the four track at my house. We were doing. Oh, we were always with the four track. Everyone was really in tune to try you no punching, just get it, you know. Mm-hmm. The whole yeah. crew, everybody was like, and that's a lost art, right? I yeah, mean, like it's to, all, get it, it, to get it, it's a lost art, right? Because everyone's getting not for me, be like, <laughs> not for you, right? Not, not for, for you, me. <laughs> no, not, not for us, <laughs> yeah. but for music in general, you know. Like, I'm always I mean, I was having to, this uh, conversation. We were even talking, I was, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be like, ha ha ha, but I mean, the other day I was with uh, talking to scientists and he said the same thing. He goes, it's almost it was almost like a vent that yeah. like nowadays anybody you get there's good stuff that comes from it i get it that yeah. it's, it's right there and it's so easy to go to guitar center and buy a package and there you go now your music's on spotify but there's all these things that are just lost there's yeah. lost art and that's definitely one of them is um the analog you know, i don't feel it's 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 not that it's lost it's right there it's there if you want it um no, you I'm talking, I guess, to, to the byproducts of it. Yeah. The byproducts of recording to analog. Um, like you said, being being in the studio and, t- and everyone being on the same page, like, look, let's nail this together. You know? But it all... Not, it, not like, oh, right. we can punch in that later. We can punch in that, fly that in later. But it's you know? but it's also what you're talking about is the cart, the horse, the chicken, and the egg, right? The reason mm-hmm. tape, all the you best like records chickens. are on... Yeah, you know, the, all the best records are on tape. The reason is um, you had a band that was... Uh, Hot shit, ready to go, playing in the songs every night. Band, your Guns and Roses, your Pistols, you Sublime, you know Nirvana. They could play all them songs for you right in a row, like they were ready, hot, ready. Actually, you know, so it's right. you know bands. It's tough to get together these days. You you know, unless you're like twenty. I'm just I'm just being real. When right. you're young and you're in a band, it's like your thing, and you really cherish it. And every second you get together, we just go watch TV together, whatever. You're always around and you're just waiting. Back then, you were always waiting for that day to finally like, do it. You know, it was like you said, it wasn't an event. And you could still do that. It's just people all of a sudden like get a B, they start making some stuff, do it. And so, you know, and it just sort of comes in, it, it kind of seeps in slow. It's not that tidal wave yeah. effect. 
Um, right, right. But interestingly yeah. enough, the records that always like stand the test of time and kind of like cut through the clutter are always, um, you know, did just Sublime, the unbridled, did you like find unbottled, it? like uh, event of like a, a lot of work coming out very quickly. You know, like that's the best. That's what I love to do. Did you find that? I mean, I mean, you were right there with them. Were they like practice freaks? Would would Sublime get together and just rehearse? And rehearse. Yeah. Was that something they needed to do? They wanted they to just do? call it jamming. The music. They just called it jamming. I mean, they just loved to play. It was an event, drink some beers, hang out. If somebody let them, they didn't have a set spot, so somebody's parents would be out of town. They could set up in the living room, and and Brad, would, they would play Fishbone gotcha. songs and and just run through tunes. And Brad would tape a lot of his little uh, new ideas on his boombox and try to write to him and stuff like that. Um, Nice. Brad would play a lot of songs on the boombox, hold the mic up. This was a Brad technique. He would play a tune, like I say, a super cat tune, right? And, and he'd play it for them. And then they they would start to, on drum and bass, start to get it, right? And then right as they were starting to get it, he'd, he'd put it up and start singing. And I was, I was, the first time I witnessed it, after a while, I was like, they, uh, you know, they, they lost it, though. They had it when the tape was going, but as soon as you move <laughs> the mic, this, it, it they sort of lost it, and he's like, "That's the whole thing." <laughs> he's like, "Now it's ours. Now it's ours." Right. <laughs> he flipped the tape over and then taped what they were doing. Now, like you know, what I mean? he was like that. It was all cassettes, uh, and he he loved to morph a classic into, uh, uh, like a, you know, like a more. You would just morph these classic rhythms. Like everyone was doing, like, you know, uh, people would do, you know, some. Peter Tosh rhythm and same different lyrics, you know. Uh, it's reggae, you know. That's yeah. Do that's that cute. now. That and should be cool, you know what I mean. But but I was like, I'm not. I I want to be original. Like everything's got to be original. Lyric content, tempos, sound. You know, it, for Brad, everything had to be. But he was rewrite the whole thing, start from scratch, all of it. It was like shit. All right. <laughs> but, you know, so that's what that record Brad, represents to me. It's one of, you know, Sublime's one of the masters, and I guess this is largely Brad, too. You could tell me, but, you know, I always heard Brad as just being one of the masters at taking a song, and, you know, that may, that may be a cover, or maybe, like, you know, that, that first thing you played, that there was the Bob Marley lyric in it, but right. just, like, what you said right now, just changing it into, like, being completely your own thing, you know, where it's like, man, how did you even think to do that, you know, to, like, you wanted to take the basis of this song, and then you you know you you don't want to lose it entirely. You're gonna keep a little bit of it in there as an ode right. to the to the inspiration. But then you flip it into your own thing. And and I've never heard a band do it better than Sublime. You know. Well, Public Enemy and the Beastie Boys were pretty. You know, to us they'll always be better than us. They were before us. So yeah, two records like you had, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. We, um, Fear of a Black Planet. <laughs> Imagine that. Yep. That was real. Public Enemy. What an album. You want to talk about everything you just said about synthesizing this? Why does this go with that? And why that? You know, how can you put that next to that? Bro, they did it all on that record. And uh, and then Paul's or uh, Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys mm-hmm. is literally, we couldn't have made a better title name. It sounded like a thrift store blew up, you know, as far as like changing the beat four or five times in, in a minute. You know what I mean? Like, what the, f- you know, like, just completely, you know, all head, like, closer to, as far as if you saw it on paper, you'd think it was going to sound like Frank Zappa or something, you know? Complex. 
and and all bets off. You know what I mean? Like as far as like whether you get it or not, it, it, it's truly Brad's thing too. I have to, I have, you know, from the beginning, he was like, no one's ever gonna get this, um, completely like we do, if they're not a musician, you know, because they don't listen that deeply. So his thing was like, I'm gonna make myself happy. And as a believable character, I feel like I had a pretty good life, good upbringing, played guitars, did these gigs, bought these fights, lived these lives. He's like, I feel like, you know, I got something to say. You know, you you believe you are tough. <laughs> You're not wrong off like me. That's how he felt. So he's like, I'm pleasing myself. Right? And once it was that, it was like, cool, are you happy when I'm mixing a track? Are you happy? He's like, the vo- make the vocals go like, yeah, yeah, go like a tell you, uh, you know. And then he was just like, whether it's certain things only made sense to him in a way till later, you know. But I was always right. just at this point, we were we were really good friends. I knew him well, you know, as a, as a person. We would go out, you know, to the bar and all that kind of stuff. Drive around, go to the beach. But musically, uh, I was still growing. I, I didn't have all the records cataloged the way. There were certain bands where I knew and he when we first met, you know, Fishbone and them, things. I wasn't completely in the dark, but he he definitely was always constantly, you know, don't waste your time listening to that, you know, like listen to this and you know, so there was it was a lot of um you know, like a lot of um mutual camaraderie on that, like a lot of like let's try to do things and then like for me it was exciting to do something that uh I was, I always thought it sounded commercial, you know, <laughs> and it took me years to realize. It was like, well, listen to that fucking voice, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. As the mix engineer, I was like, the mix is pretty good. It's like the mix is all right. I was twenty one years old, man. You know, the mix is all oh. right, bro. The reason that shit sounds so goddamn slick is the man standing on the goddamn microphone. Because <laughs> this, do you ever? You just it, can't it lose might, with do those. You ever levels. like? You know how these, like the majority of these tunes are freaking classics, right? So you hear them, you walk to into, me. you just go out, out of the mm-hmm. door and you hear this stuff everywhere. So do you ever, you know, because you touched on that, do you ever listen back and go, like, man, you just listen to the mix. Like, yeah, your mind is just listening to the mix, not necessarily the song. You've heard it a million times, well, but you go, oh, I would have done that different. The first time I heard Bad Fish on K-Rock. Cause they spent it late. They got into it later. They just were like, all uh-huh. of a sudden, they just decided to go back five years or seven. Years, I don't even know how many years. And they just got on Bad Fish like for the summer. It's a good tune. And just hearing it on the radio, it was like it. It sounded really fucking good. You know, what I, mean? I was like, oh, because I always thought it was could have been. You know, could have been better. Some tunes I think could have been better, and then other tunes kind of surprised me how good they sounded. Like you were saying, the bass on Bad Fish. Like, that was that was literally my junior year at recording school that was the project i turned in like crazy, to get a grade man. on that That's tape crazy. was that tune one tune what? that tune and i got a c plus what? because he said the bass was distorted and would never be played on radio <laughs> perfect on bad perfect yes. that's so good that's right so good. A, <laughs> but brad and Eric, like the from... band was like we would drive around in our systems with that tune to us that was just like right bullseye you know like yeah, they were like, yeah, Yo, you finally got it. You got it. Like, that's the way it's supposed to sound. <laughs> the professor's like, I'm like, I think it is kind of probably too loud, but everything they listen to, it sounds the fucking same. You know what I mean? Like, to me, it wasn't too loud because of all the other shit. Like, it was like, it's it's dead where we want it. 
But people were mortified. People would come in the room for the studio, you know, and just be like, yo, what are y'all doing? You know, <laughs> it was like scary to them. So that was, that was funny. There's, there's a question here um, from Feed Me Media. And I actually, I think you sent this uh, to us in advance too. I want to uh, glad you re put it in here. We're going to get to this one. Singing... Okay, cool. Well, let's, should we just do it? I'll read you this question and then we can, and then you can answer it in the way you were going to. It's Miguel sang on Scarlet Begonias on 40 Ounces. I hear let's, Bron let's Brad it. sung it first and they liked Mig's version better. Does this tape of Brad's version exist? Play it. Raj. Yeah, let's play this mix, man. Well, I ain't never been right as I ain't never this been This is me. Works out the way it does Double, it two octaves. Once in a while you can shown in the light In the strangest of places if you look at it right Matches, right? That's me. Hear that harpist chord, Roger? That's the D50. That was my friend's D50. That's crazy. Harps chord. Harps chord. Just cut. Yeah, yeah. We're going through the sounds like that cuts. Right. Brad, direct. Last minute solo. And me. So that's obvious. There's that's Brad. And just to gain a trust, I bought a micro bus because I sold up on my personal property. A tight, tight, tight dress, she was a psychedelic mess. Slides to the field. The north, south, east, and west. We sold some mushroom tea, we sold some ecstasy, we sold nitrous. Again, Eric on the keys. And now I hear the police coming after me. Yes, now I hear the police coming after me. The one scarlet with the flowers in I So that's so, so to answer the question, of course, Brad sung the whole tune and he said, but I so. He sung the whole tune and it's on the tape for sure. If you want, if they wanted to hear it, you could, you could, you could erase me from history. Very, you know, I'm this close. <laughs> but yeah, so he, I did, I went to see the Dead with my friends. Back then, the Dead was like Burning Man. It was like uh, Bonnaroo, Burning Man. You know, you, you name it. Like everybody went to the Dead. You know, even if you didn't go in, the parking lot was just, you know, crazy, you know, like the party. Wow. It was the gathering of the tribes when there'd be punkers, metalheads, you know, it was just everybody went to the dead. Uh, whether you went in or not and watched the music, everybody went to the parking lot. It was You, you just couldn't miss that. And uh, at the time, there was no other thing quite like that, really. It's hard to describe. So we, so a bunch of people were going to Vegas to see the day with Santana. And I go, I'll go just because it was going to be an event and go to, I think it was the first time I ever mm -hmm. went to Vegas. I've never been to Vegas. So we went. And then uh, my friend, uh, Kimmy, she, I think she bought me a ticket. Well, you have to see the band. I'm like, ah, you know, she's like, no, oh, you love music. You got it. They're, you know, it's, they're the Grateful Dead. You gotta go see them, and I'm like, all right, we'll go see the band. So she got me a ticket. Thank to her, she took me in. So we go in, and it's going down. You know what I mean? And it's, I don't know. There's really never been a movie made about the experience of a dead show, but like, bro, it should be like a Martin Scorsese movie, man. Yeah, like yeah. it's like some almost famous times Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Like all around, every dead show is like crazy, right? But a good time. Everyone's dancing and just loves each other and people seeing each other and crying and hugging. It's just a big family. You know, was obviously. Um, a lot of them guys are gone. So anyway, so in the middle, they're playing and I don't really know their repertoire. I know a couple of the radio tunes, you know. Uh, and Jerry's obviously 
you know, incredible guitar player. And so I joined the whole thing and uh, they start to play Scarlet Begonias. I don't know it from Adam, but the place goes nuts, more nuts than it was going. It goes crazy nuts. Like, what the fuck is somebody got, per, you know, parachuting in? Is it going to be David Lee Roth or something, you know? Van Halen's parachuting in. Why is everyone going crazy? And she's coming back from getting beers and she's like, it's Scarlet Begonias. Right? And <laughs> she I'm pours like, the beers on herself. Like, <laughs> no, but she was just like, you don't know like what this means. And everyone's going crazy. And, you know, and then they do Fire on the Mountain. And I'm like, you know, I never heard these tunes. But I swear to God, yeah. I could be wrong. There was, you know, I don't know how many brain cells left. And that day contributed largely to that. But. Ooh. They uh, the um, they played it kind of reggae. The Dead would do that. They would shuffle, shuffle the tempo of things. Yeah. Okay. They would just do these little shifts in their standard arrangements of things. Well, they hadn't played the tune in a long ass time. I didn't know that. And it's one of the biggest Dead tunes of all time. Scarlet Gun is in a fire on the mountain. That's like a to to the real real Dead people. Trust me, that's religion. And so. It was new coming back into the set, and so everyone that's why everyone went bananas. And then I just thought it was cool, kind of had a little reggae, like, like, I swear it had a little reggae step to it that day, the way they did it that day. And um, cool, that's the end of it. This crazy-ass weekend, ah, all this shit, who the hell, I don't remember any of it, right? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, go watch that movie. It's like that. And uh, Get Home, and my roommate, Mark Gardner, who introduced me to Brad in the first place, he, uh, he used to go and get the Recycler magazine, and uh and buy used records this is a uh, 91 or 90 and he's you know he's like records are going to be gold <laughs> he hmm. filled the garage with records he probably still has them all and uh so he had been on a record remember you guys are a little young to remember the recycle would come out at like eight in the morning on thursday mm. i remember the recycle yeah you understand what i'm trying to say but it yeah. came out at eight in the morning on a thursday some guy would show up at every liquor store and plop the, down the the copies Right, you got to get yours. Yeah, everyone would be sitting there smoking cigarettes, waiting. You know, like the guys who bought cars and shit. They'd <laughs> be sitting in the, the parking. Like, yeah, yeah, because you go straight to the right. phone and a Cadillac is gone in three minutes, you know? Right, it's LA city right. wide. So everyone was ready. So he was like that. He'd get up early. He would drive to the central distribution center where the truck would come and give the, the, the magazine to spread through the whole South Bay. And he'd just pull it out of the back of the truck and start early at six in the morning. There you go. And uh, so you he, he bought whole collections of records. So he must have stuck his head in and saw I was back. And he had acquired Grateful Dead at the Mars Hotel, a classic. And he's like, here you go, hippie. Now you can you know, have, listen to some more Grateful Dead. And he threw it on my bed. Because he was like, you're going to Vegas to see the dead? Like, you, that's corny, you know, whatever. And, uh, right. and then so he was like, ha ha. So he threw the record and I get up, you know, start the day. And I'm looking at the record. I flip it over. Fucking Scarlet Begonias. Look. <laughs> it's on the record, right? And so I Back got the beat, fucking yeah. changes. I got the song. I got the lyrics. I got the changes. I got the whole So I learned the song, drinking coffee. By like a half hour, second cup of coffee, I had the whole tune. Wrote the lyrics out. And then just out of laziness, the funky drummer was already in the classic in the sampler from the get out song it's 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 the most sampled right thing so of course we sampled it too right so it's already it's it's literally already in the sampler (laughs) just my whole room was a studio or 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 uh this is on third street house the whole front room the 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 
home stereo was a PVPA. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So this is a whole generational thing. Like no one listened to a laptop or right. a tube. <laughs> there was either watching TV, going out and doing fun shit. If we were listening to music, it was like, you know, shake the whole yeah. motherfucking house down. So it was like, everything was all set up to set up with everything. So we had the mixer. So just unmute the mixer and there's the, and I was like, it kind of works. You know, <laughs> so I had the four track and I made a demo of the song. Just, that's it. And just for them to hear because we were getting songs together for this record. And uh, I played it to Eric and his chick at the time and they were like, I was worried, you know, I was wondering what they were going to say. He was like, man, this is cool. He said, how did you sample the vocals? I go, it's me. Because <laughs> of the octave. Uh, there's, yeah. the, right. the original has that octave thing. I would have never thought to do that. They did that and so I did that and it's very distinctive. And so I was like, that's me. That's a four track. We're going to do, we're gonna, I want to do this song as a whole band. We never got around to it. So we, we had some mixed time. There was a machine broke and the guy gave us an extra day. And I said, let's try to do that tune right. Let's take our time on 24 track and do it right instead of the four track. I wish I still had the four track. And so we did the whole tune. So then it comes time to sing it. I'm like, there you go. I still had the paper, the lyrics. Like, there you go. Because by now Brad had the cassette. He knew it. He knew it by heart. He was driving right. around listening to the demo. I go, cool, cool. And so he goes in there and he sang the whole heart song with his heart and soul. He sang the whole fucking song, the octave and everything. And then the middle part where he sings was a guitar solo that I think I did. And he, uh, right towards the end, I'm thinking, cool, this is done. This is great. It's going to be cool. He comes in. He's like, nah, it just loses something. You you, you got to sing it. <laughs> you got to sing it. I'm like, Nah, come on, come on, come on, come on. Keep going. You know, we'll try it again. What do you want to try it again? You want to put some effects on it? You know, and he's like, no, no, it's, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. And even Eric starts saying, oh, it's got to be you. It's got to be you. All right, all right, I'll give it a shot. You're going to hear it. It's not going to sound as good. And I'll go in there and I just sang that, sang as best as I could. And it sounded it sounded pretty good. Even the engineer was like, it sounded pretty good. Yeah. And uh, and so that was it. So he's like, that's it. You're singing it. And uh, he went outside and uh, he wrote the middle part. And then he's like, okay, well, you're already on that track. We got enough solos on this record. There's a lot of guitar solos on 40. That's for you, if you ever noticed that. And uh, he's like, <laughs> I wrote a middle bit. And he wrote, that's a summer of love. And he's like, the love of love. And he came in with that and just killed that in one take. And I think Eric changed a few of the lines. Eric was like, that sounds corny. Say this instead. And we all just cracked up. At, um, the psychedelic mess. That was Eric just chiming in. Yeah, sometimes he would sit there and. You, you know, know not have a lot to say, course. and sometimes you'd have a lot to say. It was great. It was a real band. Everyone was chipping in. There was a, no one person like steering the ship. Everyone was chipping in all the time, and that's what that's what made it real special. Do you remember Brad's original lyric that got replaced by "psychedelic mess"? <sighs> I think he said, "I said she, I said she was the best." <laughs> Dang! Mess, or she said I was the best. Yeah, she was a, <laughs> a, a tight tie drag dress. She said I was the best. Right. Uh, we towards would announce that you know, and I and that, we all kind of, we kind of cringe, and he's like, "That's the only line I'm not sure about." Eric's like, "You should say psychedelic mess." <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, dude, punched it in. But yeah, so that's there to answer the, the listener. It's there somewhere, you know. That's those records got sold to Universal, um, mm. and along the machinations of our little career, you know. So that's that's right, right. 
contrary to popular belief, I don't. I work for Sublime. At this point, we're partners. Then, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm their employee. When they say I want some tracks, cool. I go work on them. People go on the internet and say, "Oh, he's holding the tracks, and he's holding this, and he should put out this, and he should." It doesn't have anything to do with me anymore. It hasn't had anything right. to do with me since like the day Brad died. You understand yeah. what I'm saying? So when those uh, guys all decide they want to do something, they say, "Mike, can we get these tracks and these tastes, mix this, and try to do?" Yeah, cool. And then we all work together, and we make when we do these posthumous releases, we all work together and we, yeah. we, we make it happen. But as far right. as people saying, "Oh, you should put this out," and you're hiding this or hold, and no, no, no. Can it's, I ask you this? I, I yeah. it, it might be I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but um, I put you on the spot. You knowing what you know and the whole repertoire, discography, whatever. Yeah. Are there some cool things that have yet to 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 hit the public? Well, there's um snippets and snappets and stuff. <laughs> In my opinion, trinkets and trinkets. Well, there's ideas and there's little half finished things and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that is leaked out and people hear it and um in my this is just me i feel like as far as finished masters that should have the name sublime on spotify and all that and be part of our canon no right. i think we're done got you but i do think that there's a whole website like a subscription service for the very interested to have tons of shit right hours right. of shit you know what i mean right um, so it's complicated and that's a tough sell because people are like, well, if we can't monetize it in the standard way, um, they don't understand what good is it? You know, throw it in the, over, over in the, in the, in the creek, you know? <laughs> right. Um, Besides looking at it as dope art that should be shared. You know, it's well, it's tough for me because I also been since with Brad and after Brad and the whole way. I've been like the shepherd of this fucking band and sound, you know, like, and, and it means a lot to me to put the name Sublime on something, you know, it better be good. Um, mm-hmm, right. The last major thing we did was the uh, a song called um, Foolish Fool, an old classic from Jamaica. Yeah. Um, nice. And David Kahn, I went to New York with the tapes and David Kahn and myself sat down and we, we, we messed with that, but that, I mean, really, 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 really came out amazing. You know, I thought that should have been a big radio song and everything. I, I'm still a little baffled by how that went wrong, but shout out to David Kahn, great man and a great musician. Uh, and But so, no, so I think at this point you would have to manufacture. You could take three takes and edit it and do all that. But all right. I think in this day and age, why bother? Like the canon of Sublime should just stay. This is my opinion. Just me. I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. I think it should stay Sublime's done. We got everything that's really up to the snuff of our shit is out. But there's a gotcha. literally, literally hundreds of hours of, okay, <laughs> the after speakeasy. I'll let you in after hours if you want. You know? <laughs> right. So that, yeah. to me, especially now, when, it, when there was a time when I had... um. I had a partnership going with Sean, uh, um, Sean Parker, um, the actual Sean Parker, the, the world's youngest billionaire. Uh, he loves Sublime. And Sean Fanning. Sean Parker and Sean Fanning did uh, Napster when they were in college. And then uh, Sean Parker um, 
got involved with Facebook early on, and now he owns mm-hmm. uh, Spotify. Okay. When these guys went college, Saban was their first favorite. This record was their favorite fucking record, right? So eventually they got a hold of me. And they're like, where's all the old tapes? And I go, well, I got... And I explain what I explained to you. Mm-hmm, the masters mm-hmm. are pretty much usurped, but there's, there, it doesn't matter. This is 10 years ago. Like, the whole world's going switch to switch to a subscription model. Trust us. And I'm like, I couldn't agree 100, you know, couldn't agree more. Let's go. <laughs> so he actually had the business plans and everything, and we were going to take all the old tapes and make a subscription-only model. It was going to come out when Spotify debuted in the United States. Wow. And uh, Universal wow. and the management of Sublime and really everybody across the board. No one, it was speaking Chinese. No offense to the Chinese. It was just, we, they could not see what we were saying at all, even remotely. It hadn't happened yet. You understand right. what I'm saying? At Subscription, nobody even know what you mean. They're going to send me a magazine? What are you fucking talking about? And so mm-hmm. it was like, God damn. And then those dudes, you know, uh, Sean and Sean, good guys. We, you know, but they just they into everything, and they just sort of lost interest. And in, we're like, man, if your people can't even understand what we're kicking, they kind of got disgusted and walked away. And that was a shame right. because uh, that's really where it should all live. It should live like in a little, in its own little thing where you log in and check it out. Um, because I, I don't know, then you could really put all the little acoustic tapes and all the little idea snippets and three different versions of shit, and who cares, you know? So we'll right, see. Right. Well, you know, I propose that idea to the powers that be. They know that they could do that uh-huh. if they want to, and um, right. maybe that's a for what the uh, listener said. Maybe they'll put a version of uh, Forty Ounce with the different lyrics. I don't think you should that's replace crazy. the one that's classic, but I think you could put no, it no. off to the side. Right, for the people um, that just geek out on it. And well, love it. yeah. That'd be yeah. me if it was something like you said, Ernest Wrangler or some Lynn Tate shit. That'd be me. There you, you know? go. That's a great analogy right <laughs> there. Me. Double, double I'd listen. I would listen. So, what's next on our list? Like that Let's move on. So, go ahead and play. Go ahead and play the minute. Let's man. play let's, some more. Let's segue into the punk rock part of this whole thing because yeah, that was a huge part. Underground. Yeah. We play should, the minute, man. This is song. This song right here. Go ahead and play it. The minute, man. Paranoid chant. This is for everybody at home. Crank it up a little bit. This one's a little quiet. I try to work and I keep thinking of World War III. I try to talk to girls and I keep thinking of World War III. Goddamn six o'clock news, make sure I keep thinking World War Three. I got a mile of numbers and a ton of stats. My forehead's a billion shadows of foreheads. Could all be gone like that. I don't even worry about crime anymore. So many goddamn scared faces. I keep thinking of Russia, Russia! Shitless! Dang, dude. Yes, Mike Watt. 1980. 
Mike Watts the singer? No, that was D Boone, rest in peace, singing. Mike Watt was the song. That's the Minutemen. They were oh. always our uh, brothers in arms. The Minutemen were a three piece band from San Pedro, right over the bridge. And they were the closest thing nice. to Sublime, walking the planet. You know, huge influence, just astronomical influence on everything. Um, they had their own way of doing what we did, which is to take all the sounds and do shit that didn't seem to make sense. And um, but that song, you know what I mean? When I listened, I was listening, trying to pick a good one. I was like, motherfucker, bro, we're racked to that. A billion mm-hmm, Chinese mm-hmm. with warheads. A billion Chinese with warheads. That's all he can think about, right? He can't even talk to girls anymore. <laughs> He keeps thinking True. of Russia, Russia. <laughs> Punk rock was a huge thing. You know, that's uh, all them guys before I knew them, they were punker kids. Uh, that was their first thing, is punk. Uh, underground, you know, music, English music, mm-hmm. LA music, wherever, the Bay, Oxnard. Um, so that was how they learned to play, and there's things they identify with. So the punk thing is also in everything that we did especially this album so there's a lot of punk covers and there's a lot of um you know how songs sometimes kick in um and so that you know the minimum so i yeah like a lot of these examples you have to understand i mean i i could have picked anything um i just right, wanted right. i just wanted to hear d boom scream i keep thinking about russia <laughs> russia do we have an example queued up do we that have we just listen to it so now go go oh. go play play no, we're, sublime we're, i mean yeah sublime we got a sublime we're, we're only gonna die a bad religion cover oh. the first yeah. time i ever saw them play at the nugget they played this tune and i thought they wrote it <laughs> That's me on the guitar. The lead. Crazy. One take. Early man walked away. It's not a man to control. There are Opie. We'll get to that. Opie Ortiz. We'll get to that. So he you have to understand it a backyard party this tune it's reggae and everyone's happy you know and then they start and you know, oh man it would just start it was a thing of beauty man because we knew it was coming but no one else did <laughs> again so uh, opie wrote in saying i played uh the first seven inch instead of their classic Miniman's first cla- or the most classic album is called Double Nickels on the Time. And that was our favorite record. Maybe my favorite record of ever. Um, the reason wow. I played Paranoid Time is just because I wanted to hear Deep Blue say, I fucking keep thinking about Russia. That's for Alex or <laughs> my buddy Alex too. Like. <laughs> but Brad, we love the, the Minutemen. They were so in your face, you know, and, but Double Nickels on the Dime. If you're going to now, now you say, oh, I want to get into the Minutemen. Opie's right. Go to Double Nickels on the Dime. Because that's their kind of masterpiece. That's their 40 ounce to freedom. So, and we fucking love that and, uh, and still do. But yeah, so that's Bad Religion wrote this song. It's on their first yep. album, How Could Hell Be Any Worse? That's, that's one of my favorite bands ever. Yeah, Bad great Religion. band. And um, Brett uh, Garowitz, Mr. Brett to us. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he's still Mr. Brett. He'll always be <laughs> to me. But he, was, uh, he started Epitaph Records. You know, and here you go, man. He brought us no effects, Pennywise, Rancid, <laughs> fucking Offspring. Right. Um, 
so that DIY tradition was a big thing that like just do you know put it out yourself and and, and play shows and so that's I, I played that song just because um for two reasons one um that was another one like I just couldn't believe he oh Brad was almost like ah, I don't know about taping that that's really just for the live show and I was like no dude that's like your guys' best fucking song like because you had to <laughs> see that live every time it never failed man that shit would just turn into fucking anarchy it was great because um, the way it builds is just nothing better i was like no dude you have to put that on the fucking record and then that was one it's, of them things where he was trying to do a solo and he got to the third take and we're like that's your solo he's like nah you try it and i was like what dang i've never even so played on a song in my life yeah it was like so and i just one take the both takes in a row boom uh and that i was like it. are you sure he's like no nah, that's good and then years later uh i never got a chance to tell him when i was making a record with hepcat called push and shove uh, I produced yep. that, and uh, I was we I would guess. ride to and from LA with Aaron Owens, and uh, so he, <laughs> I think I had lost my license for a little while, and he uh, he was saying he one day he's like I know it's kind of weird he's like, and he put on Forty Ounce of Freedom on cassette he's like I want to just listen to this right now you know I'm like yeah sure I don't care you know man it's been a while it's probably been ten years since I heard it, and that song came up and he was like. Sometimes I think this is some of the best goddamn lead guitar playing of all fucking time. And for some reason, I didn't tell him, yo, Aaron, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I just let it go. Dang. And I don't think I ever got a chance to tell Aaron that it was actually me. You know what I mean? Like, I felt like I was like, I don't know, for some reason, because he was such a good guitar player, you know, like the best. I was like, I don't know if he would think that I was like out of line or something, but but i was oh man i was always i always felt privileged to play that tune but i put that on there for aaron and as an example of how punk seeped into the whole thing but the version on um on uh they have a live out the sublime live album stand by your van it, it just shows you it's so maniacal it's so insane they start playing mm-hmm. it so fucking fast. <laughs> it's just unbe- it was just always the highlight of every show. It just got the whole swirl pit going, you know. And if you were not down for that, you were either like fell. And it, but it was always good fun. Like it was always pick the people back up. It was never like eh, you know, like right, right. typical because we didn't bring that kind of crowd. But uh, it, that one is always going to be a treasure to me. I just, I love it. You know uh, the way it all came out and. It made us. Uh, right. I'm friends with you know, um, Brett to this day. I, I, I you know I, I like to think so. And he even tried to sign us later after this record came out. And so he, it was interesting. You know that old the old guard influencing the new kids. You know, and but mm-hmm. in a different way. You know. Um, what did so. What did those guys think of that tune? What What did Mr. Brett think of? We're only gonna die. Uh, I don't know. He let us do it. <laughs> I love it. We've never really actually squarely talked about that. I mean, he's a he's a guy who has a lot going. So every time we've ever hung out or talked, we just I guess sort of talked about something else. It's hard to describe, right? Because man, like because you, you know we were talking earlier about how Sublime and Brad would put their original stamp on, on a cover, and that's just like right. a prime. That's a prime prime example, man. And that you know, have you heard the original? Well, well, you can all go listen to the original. Go listen to the original. Oh, for sure. Because it, I mean, it, do, it does speed up. It does speed up. Which, and it's great. Um, but like for Brad, he was like, ah, you were this close. You know, like, let me show you how to speed that tune up. <laughs> in right. his mind, he just <laughs> heard it that way. Because they had that, way, like I said, Damn. the first time I ever saw them play at the Nugget, before I knew them, I didn't know them uh, at all. Nuggets. 
Yeah, it was at the Nugget. It was the bar, the little pub on Long Beach, at Long Beach State. They play at like six o'clock on a Thursday, packed. That totally sounds like a, like a college. Uh, oh, it was. Bar. It right. was. It was great. I'll see you at the Nugget. Yeah, there's pizza right. and beer. You, you get your pizza and beer. And these guys yeah, are course, playing this. And I thought they wrote it. I was like, yo, God damn. I thought they wrote everything, man. They were playing. <laughs> you thought the old guys were saying it. Yeah, they well, check that out. That, that, well, that, that's a good point. You know, yeah. you know how many kids out there? Because Sublime does a lot of, you know, pays homage and does a lot yeah. of cover songs. There's tons of kids out there that think that that is all Sublime stuff. Which, right. if any band could could justify that, yeah, you know what, yeah, it kind of is. We made it our own. Yeah, it is sublime. And I'm not saying that to you know blow smoke, but really, I I always say that because it's a testament. Because I mean, Sublime's original material is so good, like from the mm-hmm. performance to, to to the lyrics. You know, Brad's such a good lyricist, and the fact that that's that somebody that talented at composing and performing original material. Yeah, was also like super down to do so many, you know, covers. Uh, covers is the wrong word, but like covers, yeah, you know, and like just, just right. covers, songs yeah. like fully unapologetically influenced by an existing song. Put them mm-hmm. on the album. It's like jazz, yeah. you know. It's like it's like jazz and shit. Like the, well, you know, you'll hear jazz dudes play the same fucking. It's like right. the same song, but then they make it their own fucking riff. And I feel like reggae does that a lot, and Sublime yeah. really does that. And I always tell people that you know a lot of root snobs will be like, "Well, Sublime." Did a lot of covers. I'm like, no, no, no. You can't just like brush Sublime off by saying they did a lot of covers because that means you don't fucking understand like Sublime at all. You the know? reason we did them was we wanted people to listen to that. Do you understand right. what I'm saying? Right. When when Brad, right. he wanted the world. He was on like a one man. Well, you know, start with him and then three and then four and then five and then six and seven man army to change the course of uh, of music from Crapdom. Because there was no other outlet. Mm-hmm. There was no, you know, TV was all crap. Radio was all crap. Um, you see what I'm trying to say? Like, it was, there was no, totally. <laughs> there was no, it was all in the underground. It was, everything was in the underground. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. eventually, we lived in that great time from, from, I would say, 89 to 94. It was where everything came apart. We, Seattle and Beastie Boys and, like, Beck and, Fuji's and all this great stuff where everything's all getting all you know m- coming more our way because we're the same kids that you know we're we're the we're all the same in some ways and that's one of them and the world was going into mixtape mode it was us it was all about mixtapes we all made mixtapes this is a little before your guys time probably but basically the world oh, was no, like man we were mixed we were making mixed you were making mixtapes okay yeah. so you know what oh, I'm saying yeah. so oh, yeah. so we know so this album definitely is De La Soul Three Feet High and Rising had a mixtape right. vibe. Paul's Boutique had a mixtape vibe. Um, all the early Mothers of Invention. I know that's out of left field, but we listened to a lot of Frank Zeppelin. Mothers of Invention. It was opposite, right? A lot of albums, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the guy who could really speak on this. Yeah. You're, but a lot of albums, historically, there's like a concept album. It's like opposite of a mixtape vibe. It's like, we're right, going, this right, is going to be a concept right. album. Concept album, yeah. right. They tell us yeah, it was like is, left field, like keep changing, like you're changing the dial. Of, of the <laughs> right, yeah. which is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So dope. Yeah. Tell us the That's, more is, varied, the more varied it was, the more cool how it showed we had all these angles. It was closer to what you got from the live sound of the band because it, they were real unpredictable what they'd play live. You know, they, had, they could play. That's true. No <laughs> shit. Like Sublime in the Day, Backyard Party Days could play 100 songs. 100. That's not a, there's no estimate. They could play for two hours, take a break, drink a bunch of beer, come back and play another fucking two hours and not play the same <laughs> song twice. Seriously. Because a lot of it was, well, a lot of it was just bass lines from Jamaica, you know? 
right. you know, I don't, I'm not really, I've never been good at knowing all the names of all the bass lines, the classics. Yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, and Brad could sing six, seven guys' songs over the same bass line and juice that shit for seven, eight minutes, you know. That was crazy. You know, he taught me about all that shit. Like, we really didn't even know it all. There's a lot of mysteries that never got solved. Even when Brad was, uh, you know, to the day he, he passed, um, the internet would have been, uh, YouTube and all that shit would have been some shit for Brad. He would have never left the house, man. He, you know, <laughs> you know, all we knew about Tenor Saw is he, we had a, we, we had a song we never finished it. We were trying to figure it out. It's called uh, tenor, uh, Texas is the Reason Tenor Saw is Dead. Yeah. We never finished that. But, uh, the point was, it was like, yeah, what the fuck happened that night? You know what I mean? Like, what happened to Tanner? Tanner Saw was our number That's one. Crazy. Because he was, yeah, he was found dead on the in a ditch on the roadside in Texas. Some shit like That's that. That's crazy. Like, you know, uh, so we went through know, Texas. I didn't know that. The whole time we went through yeah, Texas, man. we were listening to Tanner Saw and being like, all like maudlin about it, like fuck Texas. Not crazy. nothing against Texas. I love Texas. I, yeah, I love to go to Austin and everything. <laughs> but you know, so all we knew about Texas for us was that yeah, uh, Texas is the reason yeah. Tanner Saw is dead. That's <laughs> Texas is pretty hot. <laughs> I know. I got beef for Texas. It's hot and long. As far as yeah, reggae goes, yo, it's like yeah, it'd be a great reggae classic right so, it'd be a t-shirt Raj Texas yeah. is the reason Tenor Saw is dead <laughs> oh man <laughs> and then where did it that wow, I want that t-shirt actually <laughs> I'm gonna make that make man. it so Miguel um, we're gonna have to can we put you on the spot and get you to like yeah. commit to coming on and doing like a part two of this because we're getting to the wire. we're gonna get to like all where are we these, at uh, that's so true let's step through that's so true I, I don't know how many I mean I know we have a uh, definitely one two three four Five. All right, let's let's six, move. Let's play play pu- play Public Enemy in, li- in in the light of everything that's going on. Play the Public Enemy, Night of the Living Bass Heads. All right, let's step. All right, it up. Cool. We're gonna step Here it we up. Go. We're gonna get through this. Here we go. All right. Pay attention. Turn up. Have you forgotten that once we were brought here, we were robbed of our name, robbed of our language. We lost our religion, our culture, our God, and many of us, by the way we act. We even lost our mind. Here it is. Bam. And you say, God damn, this is a dope jam. But let's define the term called dope. And you're thinking me funky now. No, here is a true tale. Why the ones that deal, all the ones that fail, yeah. You can move if you want to move. What it prove? It's here like the groove. The problem is, is this. We, we got to fix, fix it. it. Check out the justice. And how they run it. Selling, smelling, sniffing, riffing. What well, I was trying to get swift in. Sell to their own. Rob a home while some shrivel and moan. Like comatose walking around. Please don't confuse this with the sound. I'm talking about bass. What's the night? Bass, bass. Come on. What's the night? Bass, bass, bass. What's the night? Bass, bass, bass. What's the night? If you don't know that album, my friend, <laughs> go and listen to, to it. it. Start from the, just listen to the whole thing over and 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 over fucking again. Every word on that record is true then, it's still true now. And that shit, I swear to God, like, it, it's really sad that that shit was, everything he said now makes fucking sense today, bro. That's, I don't leave it at that. I want to get all like, what I've seen, no, so what I've seen is so it just disgusts me. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. Uh, so I encourage people to educate themselves. <laughs> I can start with because you know, Public Enemy again, Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, uh, Prophets of Muhammad, 
the thing they were synthesizing into their worldview, you know, is, is so. So next up, KRS-One, Party Together. I can't say enough about everything Public Enemy ever did, but that record is a masterpiece. Oh shit! Are you ready? Once again, I flash a style that you were probably thinking that it's about time the reggae scene and rap music must cross the line and party together. Keyboard bass. Down productions of the mighty BDP Radiating knowledge to a poor community You can take this for a joke or you can take this seriously Hip-hop reggae taking, taking over constantly Listen Drums and bass and conscious lyrics Dibby-dibby sound for we just can't take it A lot of crews come out and then want to try it But KRS-One only produced the hits We call that Flash a style that you were probably thinking that it's about time the reggae scene and rap music must cross the line and party together. So that's man. Have you ever heard a keyboard bass that loud on a track in your life? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say I have really. Sly no. and Robbie. Uh, on the bench. That's Lion Robbie? Yeah. That's Lion Robbie right there. With I, and I, I only knew that because of getting this track right now. But, so that was like right. a little tune on an album they did uh, called Silent Assassin. And uh, Brad picked up on that. He taped it off college radio. And we had the one, he had it on one of his mixtapes. And that shit was just a goddamn. I mean, it was. That keyboard bass sound, like, we didn't get the keyboard bass till the next album, Robin the Hood. But, like, that's the way we even got to, you know, we tried to do with the electric bass was make that that, that record right there <laughs> for 40 Ounces of Freedom. That was what we mm-hmm. wanted the damn record to sound like, was that. And those looks, again, he's in tune with KRS kicks. You know, it's drums and bass, conscious lyrics, Debbie Debbie sound, but we just can't take it. A lot of crew come up and they right. want to try it, but KRS One only produced the hits. <laughs> that shit. I could see you uh, guys. He's the man. A KRS, cue it up. Sublime KRS One, a tribute to the master, the great, the only one, the best man, the best one to ever do it, the best rapper of yeah. all time. KRS One, love you, man. School they never taught about hamburgers or steak Elijah Muhammad or the welfare state But I know Woo! Speak truth And I know because of KRS-One Yeah, and I know And I know because of KRS-One Cause he's dropping, dropping, dropping science, dropping history with a whole leap of style and intelligency. Yes, I know. And I know because of KRS One. Yeah, and I know. And I know. Field Marshal, come forward. Field so Marshal. So he, interestingly heavy, enough, dude. the influence that KRS One had on us. <laughs> His right, tribute was an acoustic like, song, this. right? An acoustic song. You know, I mean, uh, he wrote that song kind of last minute too. Actually, that's the day we did uh, Scarlet Begonias. 
He said, I got a song yeah. about KRS One. And uh, Marshall did the cuts, of course. And uh, and what a classic, you know. And, and what he was trying to say was true. He was like, what, what KRS One? A lot of guys, man, a lot of guys. But for us, KRS One, Public Enemy, Easy E, and the Ghetto Boys, aside from all the rapping about drugs and all this shit, their street knowledge shit of real shit was on point. You understand what I'm saying? When they would mm-hmm. say some shit, like, we ever looked at why the, the whites get more funds from the state? This is why minorities learn so late. Brad Johnson from Ghetto Boys, Scarface said that, and I never thought about it, but I knew that shit was true. It is true. And you know what? And it was crazy, because we're getting better knowledge from gangster rappers than our fucking teacher at college. You don't think that shit resonated with it? It resonated with the whole band, everybody across the board. Um, right. That right. time, you know, Malcolm X just could come out eh, that whole time. Well, let's do the last one. Roll, roll it. This is the, we're on a down stretch here. Go for it, Roger. Specials, nightclub, do it. Nice, man. You know this one. The whole record, I told Roger about the map, and, you know, if there's ever a map, <laughs> if we're ever we're trying to map a record out, this record right here is the goddamn best record ever made. Best record ever made. What? Where do you think we got this idea from? Sound like a song we heard earlier, don't it? Get it, man. Sleep all day. It's the only way. I'm a parasite. I creep about at night. See that bass? That sounds about right to me. Oh yeah, horse. What can you say about Crazy what can you say about that record? If you don't know this record inside out, backwards, or forward, or the, the good news is you're about to find one of your favorite records of all damn time. If you're watching this too. and you don't know this record inside out and backwards, today is your lucky goddamn day because it's simply one of the most stunning records ever made. Everything about it is perfect. Would you guys confer? Oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> We uh, uh, got in a conversation with Miguel about mapping, and I've never heard this concept before, and I, I'm so glad. I remember that night. I was there in that room on our couch and and, and listening to this record, and, and Miguel laid it out. <laughs> he laid it out, like mapping a record. You're not, it's like looking, look, look, looking at a record like this for advice on how you map out songs. Right. And that does not mean we're going to copy Gangsters, which was mm-hmm. the first song on the track list it means in america listen to the whole track list and go okay they started off with this party banger then maybe they slowed it down at track three and then track four was something that was this but you're mapping out Mm -hmm. right how does it hold your how does it hold your interest this is what composers of film do how does how does it hold your interest through the whole period you have to have these peaks and valleys you have to have certain things one are you going to drop the bomb on them and all this kind of yeah. shit. And uh, and specials always, to me at the time, Double Nickels on the Dime specials, um, Absolutely Free by Frank Zappa and the Mothers of Invention are perfectly mapped records. 
And uh, and so that was in the back of my head when I sequenced 40 Ounces of Freedom. You understand what I'm saying? When I cut mm-hmm. the tape, mm-hmm. I sequenced it by, with a razor blade uh, from all the mm-hmm. masters. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, right? Crazy. All the That's time. So and if it was a hair off the way one song starts, they all slam into each other right in time, it seems like. But I had to mm-hmm. add little pieces of tape and all that shit with the razor blade till it was perfect. You know what I mean? Like we, There was no digital edi- editing. So... To get that slam Jeez, together man. thing, well, here it is—the last, the hit, the record, the, the date rape, the worst uh, name, a good song, controversial, sublime. This was the record that uh, made this record famous. Listen to that horn section. That's when things got out of control. The moral of the date rape story, it does not pay. We drunk and horny, but that's the way it had to be. They locked him up and threw away Trombone. the key. But I can't take pity on men of this kind. Even though he now takes it in the behind. That's the way it had to be. They locked him up and threw away the key. But I can't take pity on men of this kind. Even though he now takes it in the behind. Take it <laughs> Who does that sound like? If it ain't the specials, it's madness. She didn't want to, she didn't want to, she didn't want to, she didn't want to take it. <laughs> Interestingly Classic, enough, yeah. so the horn section, right? My roommate, when I lived in the dorms at Long Beach State, Nick Martin. Where are you, Nick? I love you. I hope you're doing well. I haven't <laughs> talked to him in a long time. He's the trombone guy on that horn section. He's just our buddy. He's coming to shows. I'm like, you play trombone. We're trying to put a horn section together. He's like, I'll get my yeah. buddy, Brian Wallace. That's our boy. Dub Tim robot in the mix, the man. That's our boy, right? Robot. Okay. I know him through Nick, my roommate. They're music majors together at Long Beach State. So yeah, Brian Wallace that. comes in. And then we had a buddy, uh, Chris Hauser, the homie. He, I play trumpet. I go start practicing because well, you're going to be on this record. He's like, Oh, you get, you know, he started practicing. <laughs> start practicing. Right. We're practicing the three guys, right? This is a true story at my house on Third Street. We have a session. This is where I met Brian. And, uh, so, and they're working it all out. And Todd Foreman, of course, the, the uh, great Todd Foreman, who was played a lot of stuff on this record. He was, uh, grew up with Sublime. It was in Sublime's Rome and, Dr. Todd Foreman, and that's a whole other podcast. You get him on. <laughs> he's a good guy. <laughs> mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he's in there, too. So we got a good little horn section going, and we, we take a break, and we go outside, and there's a kid standing at the, I had a fence, pick a fence. He's standing at the gate with his saxophone, coming home from Wilson High, Chris mm-hmm. Hart, or Dwayne Hartman. He's just standing there. He's got a sax. He's like, yo, I heard you guys practicing. I'm like, you any good? He's like, well, you know, I'm not. <laughs> Bring him in. Get him. This is how he did it. Get him in. Get him in. He joins. We know this kid is walking over from fucking school. <laughs> yeah. He's in the group. He So they worked it all out, the whole horn section for that song. And, uh, and they came down to the studio and you know, they did that whole horn section, you know. like uh, We thought it needed horns for some fucking reason, you know what I mean? And, and uh, maybe that was my idea. I don't know if Brad liked it or he, you know, he didn't complain. And then, uh, But yeah, it was so ragtag the way it came together. But that's how I know... Uh, if you think about it, Antoine and, and Dub Robot, Brian, like yeah. we're still doing shit to this fucking day, you know. To this day. It's fucking this nuts, day. man. But uh 
That was a great Dude. decision with the horns, by the way, because I know when K Rock was bumping that, um, it, it at the time of, you got, got purists. Well, man, we yeah, you really, got purists. Really, I really got to thank you guys for letting me do this. I had a lot of fun. I think we covered all the tunes. I how much time do we have left? We we really do have to split. This will definitely split. be. I'm gonna play us back. I'm gonna play us out. But we gotta have you back. But we gotta have you back. All right, I'm gonna play um, us out. You fade us out. Whatever you need to. Ah. <laughs> right, okay. Well, it's, we it's not. Yeah, well, yeah we can do that. It won't be can a you fade, fade him? It won't be a cutoff, but this is a good way to end it. Right, this is English okay. for Brad. And, and the whole chicken, right, Dev? Yeah, I'm going to end the whole chicken. So I'm going to get from miles around the corner. Week. When you hear the accountant call, could you refuse another like dollar? Could you stop yourself from falling? So in between sleepless nights, you dream that you are winning in fights. And then it happens, dreadful thing A wave appears too big to swim And drowning For everybody out there Drowning This one's for you too You know what they say You can buy a beach before next summer But how do you feel in the morning If the light's an awful bother I can always close the curtain Close your eyes and count to ten See if you still remember when Life seemed easy, you had friends This is now when that was then Drowning Drowning well, you had to go out in some motion. Yes, you did. I saw you drowning in some motion. It's far too late to make this emotion. It's far too late to cause this commotion. I see you stuck down in the bottom and you can't reach the top. Stuck down the bottom, can't reach the top. Three days later, they go find you upon them rocks and they'll say, ha 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 ha, bad luck. You tell yourself until you're certain. But when you hear the accountant call You could buy a beach before next summer Fell away and leave it on Then underwater, deaf and blind Under these pressures you might find A secret right before the end That makes you want to breathe again And drown Drowning by the beach before drowning. Tell yourself to drowning if the lights drowning. How do you feel in the morning? Brad, no forever. Yeah.